Today's episode is brought to you by you. Yes, you. The El Fanboy Podcast is made possible by the generous donations of my listeners via patreon.com slash elfanboy. Next week, I plan on bringing one of my patrons onto the show for a Star Wars debate alongside myself and Batman on Film's Rick Shue. It should be a great one, and it's just one of many ways in which I want to show my gratitude to you, my listeners. Something else I'm thrilled to announce is that I've booked an absolute titan of the comic book industry to come onto the show one of these next few weeks. And that's just part of my efforts to make this show as exciting for you as possible. On today's show, I'll cover all of the week's top stories and I'll cap things off with a special Star Wars-centric discussion with a longtime friend of mine who's got some insights I think you're going to love. If you'd like to support the show, please visit www.patreon.com slash elfanboy today. Now, let's start the show. El Fanboy, episode 41. everybody, Mario Francisco Robles, MFR here with you, and this is the 41st edition of the El Fanboy Podcast. Now, I'd like to start us off today talking a little bit about forks in the road, okay? Because back in 2006, Warner Brothers came to a fork in the road, and the decision they made there has, it led to a domino effect that brought us up to what's going on here today. And I've got a question for you all about what they did at that fork in the road and whether or not now, with the benefit of hindsight, if you think they made the right decision, all right? So hear me out. Here's a tiny little mini history lesson for those of you who are not as geeky as I am. So in around 2002, Warner Brothers started putting the pedal to the metal for a Superman versus Batman movie. They weren't going to relaunch the heroes in solo movies just yet. Someone had the bright idea, let's make a Batman versus Superman movie. And then from there, we can go all kinds of places. They'll have solo movies. They'll have team up movies. We can make a Justice League movie. This is back in 2002, before the whole idea of the cinematic universe was even really an idea in anyone's head yet. No one was doing this sort of stuff, and DC would have arguably sort of broken brand new exciting ground at that time. Problem is, the project sort of stalled. You know, they had already hired Wolfgang Peterson. They were looking at actors like Jude Law and Colin Farrell for the roles of Superman and Batman. You know, the, the, the ball was rolling, but something stalled out. Wolfgang went off to go make Troy. They had a script for a movie called Superman Flyby that they were interested in, written by J.J. Abrams. And then somewhere along the way, they just made the decision, you know what, let's put this on hold. Let's first relaunch these characters. Let's relaunch these characters in their own films, and then we'll get to all of that glorious world-building stuff. So that's where Superman Returns ultimately came from. That's where Batman Begins ultimately came from. And that's why those names actually work together. There is synergy there that some people don't realize. 
Batman Begins, Superman Returns. What are they trying to tell us? Batman Begins means we are starting over again. We know you hated Batman and Robin. We know you hated Batman Forever. So this is going to be a whole new Batman. We're sorry for what happened back then, but here we are. We're starting over. Batman Begins. Superman Returns. Hey, listen, we know you loved the Christopher Reeve Superman, so we're bringing him back. This is going to be the return of the Superman that you know and love. So with that said, both films went into production. Then in 05, Batman Begins came out. In 06, Superman Returns came out. And this is where things get very interesting because the two films performed moderately well and actually very similar to one another. And that's something people don't tend to remember. Batman Begins made $374.2 million total worldwide. That's what it made back in June of 2005. All right, 374. The following year, Superman Returns came out and made 391. It made more. But what happened? What happened? Somewhere, the perception became Batman Begins was worth continuing, Superman Returns was not. Now, part of that is the fact that Superman Returns cost a lot more to make. And some of that is obviously Brian Singer's fault and, and, you know, certain decisions that were made that just, you know, they could have reined the whole thing in. It didn't have to be such an expensive production. But also the problem was there were interesting little bookkeeping irregularities. You see, the budget for Superman Returns wasn't only for Superman Returns. Lumped in to the cost of that film was the cost of all the failed Superman movies that had gone into it, leading up to it. That's right. Even, you know, the Superman Lives movie, the Superman flyby stuff that was starting to get, you know, the, the they started working on stuff with that with Mick G and then Brett Ratner. There was all kinds of expenses that had gone into failed restarts of Superman. And those costs went into Superman Returns. Nicolas Cage made $20 million and never actually got to play Superman. But that $20 bucks, that is part of Superman Returns' budget. Tim Burton got paid to direct Superman Lives and the movie never happened. And that is part of Superman Returns' budget. So Superman Returns had all kinds of things working against it before it even came out. It was this colossally expensive film. And even though it made more than Batman Begins, it somehow was viewed as a disappointment. And it's very interesting, isn't it? Because both films were received relatively well. Right, Batman Begins got an A cinema score. Superman Returns got a B plus cinema score. Batman Begins has an 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. Superman Returns has a 76, so both are fresh. Obviously, Batman Begins fared better in both fan and critical responses, but both were generally positive things. But Warner Brothers looked at this and said, you know, that's just not good enough. Superman Returns should have done better, and they stalled out. They stalled out on whether or not to proceed with a sequel to him, and they ultimately went to Christopher Nolan, they gave him the ball, and they ran with it. 
Because the original plan would have had Christian Bale's Batman and Brian Singer's Superman in a Batman v Superman type movie directed by Brian Singer. Now, listen, I know you're rolling your eyes. Brian Singer, Brian Singer, he's become such a punchline, especially with, with what's going on today. These days, you know, we're going to get to that later with what's going on with his Freddie Mercury movie. But at the time, Brian Singer still had a very sterling record. Brian Singer was still the revered director of The Usual Suspects. He had still given us X-Men. He had still given us X2, which took things to a whole other fucking level. All right, this was still a, a director to be taken seriously. And at the time, he was promising an insane sequel for Superman Returns. It was going to be called Man of Steel. And to borrow a Star Trek a comparison, he said that the film was going to be like Wrath of Khan. Now, what that means for those of you who never saw the old Star Trek movies is the first Star Trek movie was sort of a slow, more contemplative, more sort of nostalgic film. And then with the sequel, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, things went insane. They brought in a crazy villain. There was a major character death. It was a much more intense, much more, you know, powerful sequel. So his intention was to make an insane Man of Steel. He said he was going to Wrath of Khan it, and even to borrow from his own filmography, if you guys recall, the, dip, the, the leap in quality from X-Men 1 to X-Men 2 was exponential. X2 was a huge, huge, huge achievement, and it dwarfed the first X-Men movie in the eyes of many. So that film was, you know, it suddenly it took the, the seeds that were planted in the first and for the sequel took it to a whole other level. So he was planning on making a Man of Steel movie that was going to be the Wrath of Khan of Superman movies. So with that in mind, Warner Brothers still, they just stalled out. Who knows what the, what the exact final decision-making was, but they ultimately decided, okay, we're going to not pursue Superman any further. We're not going to do the Batman versus Superman angle with Christian Bale's Batman and Brandon Routh's Superman. We're just going to let Nolan make his Batman movies while we figure out how we're going to get a shared universe going. And then the rest is history, because Nolan then took that creative liberty and said, all right, screw it. I'm going to put Batman on an island. I'm going to make my own little Batman movies. I'm going to keep him separate from any sort of you know shared universe where there are flying aliens. He was not interested in that sort of thing. And just like that, a shared DC Films universe was put on indefinite hold. You know, they tried to make Justice League mortal, and that fell off to the wayside. They tried to do something with Green Lantern, which, which perhaps could have led to a shared universe, and that didn't pan out either. So then they make Man of Steel, right? And in many ways, Man of Steel is very much the type of film Singer had promised back in 2006, he was talking about a film that was going to have a very intense villain. He was actually thinking of Brainiac for Man of Steel. So, you know, instead we got more of the retread of Zod. But, you know, he promised a much more intense villain. He A much more sort of world-destroying, like, action, sci-fi, adventure epic. 
And Man of Steel delivered a lot of those same kinds of thrills, and it had the backing now of the men who brought you the Dark Knight trilogy. (laughs) I keep bringing that up because that cannot be overstated. These guys were coming off a huge winning streak with those Batman movies. So Man of Steel comes out, and even that is sort of... Eh, in, when it comes out, because the reviews are worse than Superman Returns, and the box office doesn't exactly live up to being this huge, you know, comic book titan movie. Here is the Superman reboot that you've all been waiting for, and you know, it made in the high sixes, which is pretty good, but... You got to understand something. While that's way higher than Superman Returns is 391, Superman Returns came out during a time where the international markets were not what they are nowadays. Back in the early at the turn of the century, those foreign markets were not buying these things at quite the rate they are now. So let's talk domestically, like I mentioned in last week's video. Domestically speaking, Man of Steel only made like $36 million more than Superman Returns did. So suddenly, the gamble to reboot Superman instead of just continuing and letting Singer to make Man of Steel becomes quite questionable if you think about it. Critics liked it less, it didn't make a ton more money here stateside, and it didn't necessarily position the character in a way that got a, like the majority of fans excited. You know, Man of Steel was a polarizing movie. And once again, Warner Brothers found itself at a fork in the road. Okay, what do we do? What do we do? We made this Man of Steel movie. We hoped it would set the world on fire and get people all excited. But people are sort of tepid about Zack Snyder's vision for the character. Hmm. Huh. So now they could either do what they did with Superman Returns, which was let's scrap it and move in another direction, or they could look at Zack Snyder's sort of building blocks, the foundations of Man of Steel, and press on to see if maybe a sequel can fix the issues of the prior movie. So they gave Snyder the ability to do what they didn't give Singer a chance to do back in 2006. They decided, you know, screw it, we're going to take the gamble, we're going to press forward, and we're going to see what happens. So then what happened? He made Batman v Superman and the rest, you know, that is well covered. I don't need to reiterate how I feel about that. But let's fast forward to today, because once again, Warner Brothers is at another fork in the road. They just released another very expensive DC movie, and it's sort of, you know, it's stalled out of the gates. It's not doing well financially. The critics didn't exactly love it. In fact, they only liked it a little bit more than the last Zack Snyder movie. And now they're trying to figure out what to do. What's interesting about this particular fork in the road is some of the decisions already been made for them because they already shot Aquaman. So the fact that they're already sort of way too deep into this thing to back out means that they're already most of the way towards one direction on this fork, but they're going to try to see if they can maybe veer it towards the other direction a little bit, because if there's anything that's clear here is they're not going to proceed exactly as planned prior to Justice League. Things are going to get tweaked 
things are going to fall off the slate and the focus is going to be very different than it was originally going to be a year or so ago. But any way you categorize it, the situation right now is a mess. All these stops and starts, all these failed films like Green Lantern, all of this negative publicity. What if we could go back to 2006 and Warner Brothers looks at Superman Returns, they look at Batman Begins and they say, you know, with Superman Returns, we had a soft hit. Critics liked it. Fans were fairly positive on it with a B-plus cinema score. There is enough here to push on. Brian Singer is a director of a strong pedigree at this point in time, and he's promising a sequel that's going to address a lot of the issues. People didn't like it. The last one was sort of too slow and nostalgic and kind of a rehash. Well, he's promising to Wrath of Conet in part two. You know what? Let's do it. Let's let him make his Man of Steel. That'll be followed up by a Batman versus Superman with Christian Bale's Batman, who everybody loves. And then from there, we can push on into Justice League. And let's see how that goes. So now I pose this question to you, the listener. How do you feel about it now in hindsight, knowing everything you know about how Justice League has panned out, about how last year panned out for DC with Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad, knowing everything you now know and looking at this very sort of shaky, uncertain future that we DC fans have, does a part of you now think maybe, just maybe, they should have let Brian Singer make the X2 of Superman films and from there lead us into a shared DC Films universe. Let me know your thoughts. But all right, guys, you know, it, it's, uh, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. Last week, taking the week off, which, by the way, is even like a mischaracterization because I didn't really take it off. Now, did I? I published a couple of columns on lfanboy.com. I made a YouTube rant for you guys. You know, so I wasn't really gone, but still, there, there was a little bit of a break in there, and I'm feeling good. I'm feeling recharged. I got a chance to see Coco and cry my damn eyes out. Uh, that movie was beautiful. Um, you know, I wouldn't say it's perfect because there's definitely, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that some of that stuff there in the third act could have definitely been um, shortened up a little bit. Kind of felt like they dragged some of the some of the boss battle out a little too long. It became a little bit too Hollywood there at the end. But I digress. Coco was a beautiful movie. I also started Mindhunter with my wife. Uh, we're about four episodes in there on Netflix, and it is really good. Holy crap. That series, if you haven't seen it, I strongly recommend it. If you're a fan of David Fincher, if you're a fan of serial killer stories, if you're a fan of just general like crime dramas, I mean, Mindhunter is top-tier stuff. So that's really, you know, those are like the two things that I've added into my fanboy au revoir since we last spoke. Um, 
And I've got a couple updates for you guys. I know people have been asking me for follow-ups on my on my recent scoops. And the sad thing is there really isn't much to report. There really isn't much to report because my sources say that for the time being, Warner Brothers and DC, they're going to remain sort of radio silent for a little bit. They're letting Justice League sort of run its course and I think we're probably unlikely to hear anything concrete or solid until January or February of next year. They kind of want to just kind of let everything die down. There's been a lot of negative publicity. There's been a lot of just you know, a lot of noise going on. And they want the noise to die down before they let everyone know what's coming next. So unfortunately, there's not like a huge, huge update or anything for me to offer you. Right now, we're still just waiting to hear what's going to happen. Um, and, you know, and I had heard that leading up to Justice League, we might have gotten a Man of Steel 2 announcement in January. And I'm still just trying to see if that's still going to be the case. Um, but like I said, you know, like they're just, they're not talking right now. Like the DC people, everyone's just almost like on vacation. It's like everyone is just, they're, they're, they're just allowing this thing to breathe and then they're going to reconvene and figure out what the hell to do. Um, and you know, it's interesting. It's interesting. All these changes to justice league, um, in certain ways it panned out. And that's what's fascinating about all this. In China, which is the big granddaddy of the foreign market that everyone is trying to court, you always want your films to do exceedingly well in China. It was announced yesterday that Justice League is the highest grossing DC film of all time in China. Now, this actually makes me think back to November of 2016. Last year, there were some interesting reports that came out from, uh, from, from author Brett Easton Ellis. At the time, he was talking about the Batman movie. Even though he wasn't involved with it, he was trying to make a point about how the executives view the importance of these films and what their priorities are when it comes to the script and the plot. And he got into a lot of hot water for talking about this because it kind of looked like he was trashing Batman and trashing Ben Affleck. And you know, it, it led to a, a, bit, a big backlash. But this news about Justice League's performance in China got me thinking about that report. Because here's the quote. You know, he was referring to how the executives reacted to apparent script issues. And here's what he said. Um, and they just said that they went to the studio and they said, look, the script is here's 30 things that are wrong with it that we can fix. And the executive said, we don't care. We don't really care. The amount of money we're going to make globally, I mean, 70% of our audience is not going to be seeing this in English. And it doesn't really matter. These things that you're bringing up, up, up about the flaws of the script. And I bring all this up because I honestly think it sheds some light on some of the cynical choices made as they reworked Justice League. Because a lot of people are wondering, you know, how did they rush this film into theaters with CG looking that poorly? Who thought that this villain was a good idea? And the bottom line is they didn't care. 
they knew the thing was going to sell. That's why they decided, let's just gut the plot as much as we can. Let's make the film be high on spectacle, high on fun little fan moments, and let's keep it short so it can run a whole bunch of times because all we care about at this point is making money. And the fact that this film right now in China... Is has already in three weeks made more than Batman v Superman and Wonder Woman. This shows that in that regard, it paid off. And in that regard, there, you know, what, what Mr. Ellis said about the Warner Brothers executives seems to be spot on. That's how they felt okay putting this film in theaters as sort of half cocked as it was, because they knew foreign audiences weren't going to mind it. So you know, the, just the sheer cynicism in that I find fascinating because it's totally possible to tinker with a film and make huge sweeping changes, but to do it from a more creative inside out standpoint. The perfect shining example of that is last year's Rogue One. You know, Rogue One underwent a huge overhaul, but the priority for that didn't seem to be, all right, how do we just get this thing passable enough to get it into theaters and make some money? No, they hired Tony Gilroy. He came in, wrote a bunch of new stuff, directed a bunch of new scenes. It seemed to be like their priority was, how do we make this substantially better? How do we make these characters more intriguing? How do we tell the plot in a way that has more heart and more emotion? They went in and they broke the movie open and they reworked it and fixed it from within. And that's why no one really talks about what happened to Rogue One and the fact that they took Gareth, they basically took the movie away from Gareth Edwards. No one talks about any of that controversy because the way that film got fixed up was done in a very sort of thoughtful and organic way. With Justice League, it seemed to be strictly business. We don't care if it makes sense. We don't care if you're able to make the villain more compelling. Just help us sell this thing. Let's gut anything in it that's going to slow it down. Let's gut anything in it that's going to remind people of Batman v Superman. Let's just make something that's going to sell toys, sell tickets, and then let's get out of there. So, you know, I just... It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. I don't want to harp on it much further. I know that some of you are sick to death of listening to me talk about DC stuff, but I did run a poll yesterday on the Twitter, and I asked you guys, what do you want me to discuss? And by and large, most of you voted for DC, so that's why I'm starting on DC, but once we get into the week's news, I'm going to vary it up a little bit. But one final sort of DC observation that I've been meaning to share and I keep forgetting is, you know, with the marketing for this movie, they had a real problem on their hands. They had a real problem on their hands that I don't think many people have pointed out yet because those trailers and essentially the film that they had to sell, they had a film that looked visually like Batman v Superman and called to mind Batman v Superman because you have, you know, it's, it's a Snyder movie and his movies have a particular look and his design aesthetic. So those first few trailers looked visually like a continuation of Batman v Superman, which was a film that left a lot of, you know, sort of a sour taste in people's mouths, coupled with the one part of Wonder Woman that everyone hated. 
Let's think about that for a second. Wonder Woman was a beloved film, right? But what is the one thing that everyone complains about with that movie? They complain about the third act. They complain about Ares, the big CGI, horned, armored, sort of Greek myth villain. People did not care for Ares. They did not care for that third act. So as these trailers wore on, especially as we got into that final straightaway where they're trying to do the final sell to get you into the theaters, they had to sell you a movie that combined Batman v Superman with the worst parts of Wonder Woman. Because if you hated Ares, you also hated Steppenwolf. So if you're looking at those trailers and you go, oh, God, this Steppenwolf looks like more of that Aries stuff that I hated from Wonder Woman. And that's just something that I don't think enough people have pointed out. That was a lethal combination and that was a thankless task for the marketing team at Warner Brothers. But all right. I'm just about ready to get into the week's news, but before I do, I also want to give you one more update. Since some of you have asked, very kindly, uh, my dog, Lucy, I know I mentioned on the last episode that she had gone through some trials and tribulations, that she'd run out of the house, and she got hit by a car, and she's been injured. I'm happy to report that she's doing just fine. I'm currently staring at her napping comfortably on the couch. And uh, thanks for everyone who has checked in with DMs and tweets dedicated to Lucy. Uh, She's doing fine. All right. So let's get into the week's news. start things off today the way we always do with a look at the box office so it's tuesday the weekend actuals are in they are ever so slightly different than the estimates on sunday so let's discuss coming in in first place is coco the latest from disney pixar with 27.5 million dollars it cooled 46 percent in its second weekend in second place we got justice league with 16.6 million cooling 60 percent in its third frame currently justice league which is rumored to have cost $300 million currently sits at $569.2 million worldwide. In third place, we've got the Lionsgate Indie Wonder at 12.1%, cooling 46% in its third frame. In fourth place, you got Thor Ragnarok hanging in there five weeks into its release with $9.8 million, dropping 41% in its fifth weekend. In fifth place, rounding things out, Paramount's Daddy's Home 2 is hanging on there with $7.5 million, Currently, the comedy sits at $116.8 million. It was a $69 million movie, so break-even is going to be uh, questionable on that one at best. But you know what? I don't want to waste any time talking box office right now. I want to get to the top thing on my mind. In the week since I've been away from you guys, the Avengers Infinity War trailer arrived, and holy shit, 
That is how it's done. I'm going to sound like such a Marvel fanboy now, but longtime listeners know I've actually been pretty down on Marvel lately. Um, you know, I, I've been hard on them. And, and in general, my, my interest peters in and out rather rapidly. But that trailer gave me all the feels in the world. I got goosebumps. I mean, it, there were big moments. There were little moments that got me excited. There was everything. I mean, yeah, the, the big moments are obvious. You know, we, we finally get to see Thanos really in all his glory. We get to see all the team members coming together. We get to see like the scope of this thing is going to be insane. But then there's the part of me that latches onto those little moments. Like the fact that Banner is standing next to the arm of the Hulkbuster suit in one of those opening shots. So it looks like it's going to be Bruce Banner in Iron Man's Hulkbuster suit. Because if you'll recall in Thor Ragnarok, he's scared of hulking out. He's scared that the next time he does it will be the last time he ever does it because he'll never return to his human form again. So he wears the Hulkbuster suit for a part of this, which could lead to an absolute absolutely crazy hulk out in the movie because spoiler alert it's in the trailer so clearly as much as he tries to avoid it he will hulk out but this could mean he hulks out while inside of the armor Imagine how crazy that's going to look. We've always seen him just sort of rip out of his civilian clothes. Imagine him hulking out of the Hulkbuster suit. That's going to look crazy. Uh, you got Peter Parker's Spider-Sense finally being on display. There, there had been controversy when Spider-Man Homecoming came out. That's like, whatever happened to the Spidey-Sense? Are they just doing away with that? It didn't seem to be prevalent in Homecoming. Well, in this one, they showed it. They showed that all the hairs on his arm suddenly stand up as that portal opens up over the city. So the Spidey-Sense is now in there. I love that the trailer, by the way, is light on jokes, as in there are no jokes aside unless you if you unless you want to count that little tag there at the end where Thor looks and he's like, "Who the hell are you guys?" And it's the Guardians. But I don't really even consider that a joke. For me, that was just, oh my god! So it was light on jokes and it was big on epic. I mean, guys, Alan Silvestri's Avengers theme has never sounded more grand and more epic than it sounds in this trailer. And, you know, for all the crap I give the Marvel Cinematic Universe for treating its score as an afterthought, uh, dude, that Avengers theme suddenly has leapt up the top of the list for me for like some of my favorite score that I've ever heard just based on this trailer. Cause I, I almost didn't realize how much, how important that little motif is until I got to hear it orchestrated this way. It's like, this is it. And this whole idea of this is it is a big one for me. Because this really does feel epic. This feels like the culmination of 10 years of careful storytelling. All roads have brought us to this. And that's how this trailer should have felt. And that's exactly how it did feel. I was just, I mean, opening up with Nick Fury's line about there was an idea. And it instantly, I think about the end of Iron Man when he shows up and he talks about the Avengers initiative. Like, oh my God, this is, this is it. We've spent 10 years on this journey just to bring us to this point. And it just, I can't, I cannot stress upon you enough. I think that trailer is an absolute winner. I think it's an absolute winner. And last night, mind you, I brought my wife over to watch it. 
I sat her on my lap in front of the old iMac. I opened up the trailer and I wanted her to check it out because she's someone who's more casual than I am. You know, she has seen, let's see, if there have been 17 Marvel movies, she's probably seen like seven or eight of them. But, you know, she has an investment in these characters. So I just kind of sat there quietly with her. I didn't say anything. I just wanted her to see what her gut response was. And she basically turned to me and said, you have to take me to that next year. (laughs) But... What's interesting that I want to share with you guys about her reaction was a question she asked me immediately after that. Her first question slash observation beyond voicing that she wants to see it was, why hasn't Black Widow gotten her own movie yet? I was so surprised by that question because that's not really something I expected to really be on her radar. And, you know, she's not someone who I tend to think of as as really having a a dog in that race. But she like she blindsided me with that question. Why hasn't Black Widow gotten her own movie yet? So, listen, I don't have answers. I tried my best to explain to her what I believe the studio's philosophy is on that and how she may get one now, but it would, it would have been a little too much of a risk in the past, and she's not a character that has this huge mythology to pull from that has this huge wide appeal. Yeah, yeah, I tried my best, but yeah. So I wonder if that sentiment is going to start to pick up steam. If even my wife, who exists beyond the bubble, is asking about it, I think there's something interesting and notable to that. And I'm going to be keeping special tabs on on how that unfolds. And if there is going to be a Black Widow movie at some point, or if there is going to start becoming like a vocal sort of campaign for like, hey, all these characters get their own movie. Why hasn't Black Widow, who's so popular and pay, and played by a very, very famous popular actress, why hasn't she gotten a chance to shine yet? So I, I was just very intrigued by that question. And I thought I'd share it with you all. Now, while we're talking Marvel, the, the, there, there seems to be something going on here where Disney may be buying Fox. It's, you know, the, I, just like I mentioned a few weeks ago, where after the uh, negotiations had stalled, I told you guys, this is not the end. All right. At the time, all these reports had come out to say, like, not so fast, not so fast. Yes, Disney's looking at Fox, but those negotiations have shut down. But I told you, listen, that doesn't mean anything. Negotiations often stall out. They often slow down. You can't go by that. So here we are a couple weeks later, and according to a report from CNBC, it looks like the two sides are close to finalizing Disney's purchase of most of Fox's assets, including the 20th Century Fox movie studio, and the deal could be announced publicly as soon as next week. Whoa! Okay. Um... See, this would be huge, and I I already reached out to a source of mine over at Fox, and they're very mum on it right now. You know, they don't want to like count their chickens before they're hatched. They're just, you know, right now over at Fox, they're just working hard on the movies that they're working on, and they're not trying, they don't want to be distracted by the ramifications of this purchase. So there's nothing really exciting to say from my source, but I did reach out, and I'm working on trying to get any kind of intel I can on what the plans would become. But in the meantime, what I would love to see happen 
is I would love to see the X-Men and the Fantastic Four folded into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Give them, you know, brand new Marvelized versions of them. I think we're sort of done with the current incarnation of the X-Men. Uh, you know, maybe that's sort of sad for some of you to think of, but you know, right now they're kind of in a transition period, right? You know, no more Patrick Stewart, no more Hugh Jackman. We're not going to see James Marsden as Cyclops. Like, for all intents and purposes, the primary X-Men team that we got attached to over the course of the last 17 years isn't really around anymore. So, yes, I know they're going to bring back Fassbender and McAvoy and stuff for the next films. But right now, it seems like kind of a good time to, like, let's close out that continuity. Let's maybe try to have the Dark Phoenix film kind of be the end of that. And let's fully, let's close it off. Let's reboot the X-Men into the MCU. Let's finally get a Fantastic Four that's worth a damn. And... Here's where I have kind of like a, a slight left turn. I still want Fox to make Marvel movies, but just not X-Men movies. I want Fox to continue to make their Elseworld tales. I want them to be the studio that makes the R-rated, gritty Marvel movies that Marvel Studios proper doesn't want to make. So I want Fox to continue to make Logan-type movies and Deadpool and X-Force and Gambit I want and New Mutants. I want Fox to handle all the R-rated, unconnected Marvel stories. I think that would be great. And if you want to have Deadpool, who's able to sort of bridge the gap and he's like the one who can break the fourth wall, have him be like the crossover connector between these two, you know, the dark... Marvel stuff and the proper Marvel studio stuff. I think that would be awesome. So I hope, you know, that that is my prayer. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but you know, that that is my prayer. I hope if this deal goes through that Fox continues to make the more adventurous, exciting sort of rated R off the beaten path, non-corporate creative sort of else world Marvel stories while Marvel Studios continues to do what it does and let them get the X-Men and the Fantastic Four to play with and Galactus and all that sort of stuff that now they can finally fold into the main Avengers storylines. Let them get those, but let me keep getting my Deadpools and my Logans on the side. All right. Um, but all right. So now you know, we're, we're talking Disney, we're talking them buying Fox. Well, also in the Disney realm, you got Lucasfilm. And Lucasfilm has a certain movie coming out in a couple weeks. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a little film called Star Wars The Last Jedi. It's episode eight. And uh, I, for one, cannot wait for this movie. Um, you're going to hear me kind of go nuts talking about this topic later on in this episode. I recorded a conversation with uh, a longtime friend of mine named Rob Marrera, who's, uh, yeah, that, that's going to be how this episode ends. So by all means, hang on to hear all of my geeking, my geeking out over Star Wars. But for now, let me give you some Star Wars related news and tidbits that have come out, shall we? Um, Mark Hamill offered some interesting insights into sort of what he had to do to prepare to play Luke in episode eight. Because remember, there were reports, you know, earlier this year that he somewhat butted heads with Ryan Johnson about 
you know, the portrayal of Luke in this movie. It was not necessarily what he thought Luke would be. And ultimately, he bought into Johnson's vision, and he seems to be at peace with it. But if there's something we already know is Luke is going to be a very different animal and not exactly what we would have expected when we meet him in The Last Jedi. So Hamill, Hamill was asked kind of like, what did he have to do in order to kind of go to the darker, more... Um, psychologically scarring places that Johnson wanted to take Luke. So here's what he said, because uh, it, it all centers on the fact that he, ha he had to create certain backstories for Luke. So here are Hamill's words. He said, Actors like backstories. They want to know motivation and all those things, and it's such a blank slate. You know, if you look at it intellectually, I realize that it's not my story anymore. And so what Luke did or did not do in the intervening years uh, between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens aren't really important to the audience at this point, but I have to work it out for myself. So Hamill will, would, went on to basically create scenarios, his own internal sense of history for Luke so that he can get into the darker place. So he says, I wrote lots and lots of scenarios. I made notes that he fell in love with a woman who was a widow and had this young child. He left the Jedi to raise this young child and marry this woman. And the child got a hold of a lightsaber and accidentally killed himself. It's nothing to do with the story, but when I think about gun violence and you read these tragic stories of kids getting hold of their parents' guns and killing a sibling or themselves, I mean, I had to go really dark places to get where Luke needed to be for this story. So that's interesting. Um... And he, and he says he mentioned some of this to Ryan Johnson, being very careful to say that this isn't what, you know, this isn't going to be the actual history of Luke. This is his thing. But he, he went on to say, you know, I sort of tested out some of my ideas just to make sure I wasn't in conflict with anything. Ryan was really nurturing in that regard, encouraging me to find ways to justify the actions in this movie. But like I say, that little story I told about Luke leaving the Jedi and getting married, that's not officially what happens. So that's not canon, but what's interesting about it is that is some dark territory. The, the, the fact that Hamill had to go there in order to prepare himself for the work you know, that we're going to see in Last Jedi says a lot about where Luke Skywalker is nowadays. And I, I'm very intrigued by what's going on with Luke and whether or not... Well, again, I'm not going to get into speculation. I do plenty of that later on. So you'll just listen to that later. Because there really is plenty of Star Wars goodness to discuss before we even get to any of the speculation speculative things. So Ryan Johnson was just, you know, he was part of a press junket talking about The Last Jedi, and he answered a couple of interesting questions. And one of them was, you know, about the next trilogy. A lot of people wanted to center on the old um, Knights of the Old Republic video game. And, you know, that's been probably the most popular thing to suggest for this new trilogy is that, it, it, you know, it should adapt the Knights of the Old Republic game. So here he is in his own words responding to that. He said, <clears throat> oh, they love Knights of the Old Republic. I played that game when it first came out and it was like, God, I loved it. Yeah, that's a fantastic game, and I understand it. The instinct to automatically go to something that you know and love, that you've already seen, 
To me, what's really fun is the notion of what new stuff are we going to see? What new stories can we tell? So that seems to be, you know, an official sort of, you know, rebuttal of that idea. He will not be adapting Knights of the Old Republic. He's all about trying to tell a new story, not adapt something that came before. So, you know, for those of you who are dying for a Knights of the Old Republic movie, it's unlikely that we're going to see that now. That doesn't mean, by the way, that he might not set it, you know, perhaps in that period. You know, it could explore a similar facet of Star Wars history and lore, but he's not going to be adapting that story for the screen. So, you know, there you go, guys. Sorry to break that to you, those of you who really wanted that. It also came to light that his film, you know, Last Jedi, some of the early versions of it were clocking in at north of three hours. And in order to get it down to what it now is, which is two hours and 32 minutes, they had to cut a lot of stuff. And Johnson recently commented on the stuff that had to get cut. He said, a lot of really good stuff came out in the edit. I actually just reviewed the deleted scenes we're going to have on the Blu-ray. There's a bunch of some of my favorite scenes ended up having to come out just structurally. There's a lot of really substantial, really good scenes. There's a couple whole sequences, actually, that we lifted out. It's weirdly, and this always happens, it's like your babies you have to kill. It's some of my favorite stuff from the movie. So that's uh, intriguing. Uh, this means that that Blu-ray is going to be a must-own when it comes out because they took out a ton of really substantial stuff. And unlike in some other blockbuster that shall not be named, the cuts here didn't occur because the studio lost faith in the, in the director's vision. These are just the standard sorts of cuts where you have to like nip and tuck and take things away that are sort of tangents and sort of distract from the narrative. You know, obviously the studio didn't cut a half hour because they lost faith in Johnson because they just gave Johnson a whole new trilogy to explore. They gave him the keys to the kingdom. So they're very much in love with this movie. So these cuts are not a cause for concern, I would say. Uh, moving along, but staying within the Star Wars realm, uh, you know, uh, Han Solo finally got a teaser poster. You know, the Solo, a Star Wars story, people released uh, some pictures that they saw online of, of uh, the poster in theaters where it just says, you know, it's very sort of basic. It still hasn't shown any official imagery from the film. It just says Solo, a Star Wars story, and that's sort of like big, bold, yellow Star Wars font. And the part that I find most notable is that this thing still seemingly is set to come out on May 25th, and I just don't understand it. <laughs> I really don't understand how that can be. That's only about six months away, and they haven't shown us anything. And unlike with The Last Jedi... Remember, with The Last Jedi, they also took forever to finally release a, a trailer, but that's because it was already on everyone's radar. You know, everyone had already seen The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens made over $2 billion, and everyone's just been anxiously awaiting the next chapter in the saga. So they knew they could just sort of chill and show us a trailer whenever they were ready to, and they didn't have to push the issue. Hell, they could have just released a video that just said, hey, Episode 8 comes out in December, and people would go see it. 
That's not the case with Solo. Solo is still an unknown entity in the minds of most casual cinema goers. I'm always the guy in the group who has to break it to outsiders that there's a Solo movie coming. People don't even know that this exists. And you should see the looks I get when I explain that there's going to be a young Han Solo movie. I get a lot of, really? Yeah. So Lucasfilm, I don't know what's taken them so long to start promoting this movie. I can't believe it's still slated for May 25th. For me, the only logical explanation for why like, we haven't seen anything is because they are going to delay it. Maybe it's going to come out more in the winter of next year. Maybe they're going to find a good weekend in December since all these new Star Wars movies have been coming out in December. I'm still like waiting for that. Because remember, Ron Howard only wrapped principal production, uh, principal photography in the last like two months or so. So I don't see how this movie's going to come out in May and three weeks after Avengers Infinity War, of all things. Like, I don't, I just, to me, the whole thing is very perplexing. Uh, but I know I'm a hater. I admit it. When it comes to this solo thing, I've been against it since its inception. I think it's a lousy idea. I have no interest in it. So maybe I'm just looking at this too my, you know, myopically. But for me, I just... When are they going to promote this? I guess, are we going to get a teaser with Last Jedi? Because they'd better start promoting it if they're going to release this in May. Because no one knows about it. And in reality, I don't think anyone really wants this movie at all. Um, but now there's, you know, moving on to like the what the fuck in, the, in this week's news. File this under WTF. Uh, Quentin Tarantino is apparently in, in working on a pitch for the next Star Trek movie. Now, there's so many aspects of this that I just, like, I don't know how to feel. On the one hand, okay, I like Star Trek. I love Quentin Tarantino. So I should be jumping up and down excited about this. But then as we dig a little further, I, I just don't understand what exactly is going on. Because Variety says, Variety says they have sources that claim that Paramount and J.J. Abrams are currently putting together a writer's room for the next Star Trek movie, and that they're, they're basically going to be writing the script for the next Star Trek film based on a pitch by Tarantino, and Tarantino would consider directing it. The reason that this confuses me so much is it's so not Tarantino. That is not a Tarantino situation. Now, he, he's a very sort of particular filmmaker. He has his process. The guy has a very sort of well-worn, well-understood process when it comes to making movies. And that process has never entailed working with a writer's room at a big major corporate studio on a major genre film like this. So, you know, if you, if you go through his filmography, he's always written his movies himself. He writes them, then he directs them. To go from that sort of, this is my singular vision, to now there's an entire room of writers, like this is like a TV staff working on this next movie. Like I don't see how he makes that leap. I wonder if maybe this is getting blown out of proportion. Maybe he's got a great idea for where he thinks they should go. 
And he just kind of wants to let them know, hey, listen, I, th- this is a good way I think you can continue the Star Trek series. And, you know, m- give me a producer credit. Give me a story credit since this is my concept. But that's it. And which is still cool. But right now you're seeing all these headlines, you know, Tarantino will make the next Star Trek movie. And I just I don't think that's what's happening here, because that would be such a stark departure for him that I just don't see that happening. So I have a feeling this story is being misreported. It's being turned into clickbait. I don't think that Tarantino is directing the next Star Trek movie unless he himself is writing it and not a room full of writers hired by J.J. Abrams. I just don't see that happening. Um, moving on from things up in the, uh, in, the, in the cosmos, you know, we just spoke a little Star Wars. We spoke a little Star Trek. Now let's get a little terrestrial here. Uh, <laughs> what is going on with Brian Singer? Uh, earlier this week, it became known that he was fired from his production of, of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, which is a Queen biopic. It's a Freddie Mercury biopic. It was a passion project of his. And there were all kinds of rumors that after Thanksgiving, he like didn't show up and he didn't give anyone a heads up and that he'd been fighting with the, with the star of the movie and... Now, all of a sudden, it went from those rumors to Fox has fired him, and his production company is shuttering its offices on the Fox lot. Like, he's basically getting kicked out of Fox and told to get the hell out of Dodge. Uh, This morning, there was actually an update on the story. Singer himself released a statement through the Hollywood Reporter. So here's what he had to say, and here's how I'm feeling about the matter, all right? So here's what Singer said. I wanted nothing more than to be able to finish this project and help honor the legacy of Freddie Mercury and Queen. But Fox would not permit me to do so because I needed to temporarily put my health and the health of my loved ones first. Bohemian Rhapsody is a passion project of mine. With fewer than three weeks to shoot remaining, I asked Fox for some time off so I could return to the U.S. to deal with pressing health matters concerning one of my parents. This was a very taxing experience, which ultimately took a serious toll on my own health. Unfortunately, the studio was unwilling to accommodate me and terminated my services. This was not my decision, and it was beyond my control." I don't know how to feel about any of this. You know, my feelings on Singer are all over the map. There's a part of me that will always hold him in high regard because of the usual suspects. And because of X2, X-Men United, I thought that was a masterful flick. Um, But, you know... In these last few years, with all these whispers of what's going on with his personal life and his parties and the underage boys and all that stuff, I just, I, I, I don't know how to feel. And I try not to get into like the gossip and the allegations and all that sort of stuff. This is not like a, a TMZ type podcast. I'm not here to pontificate about his personal life, but he just seems like someone who's sort of lost his grip, and maybe he needs to go away for a little while. 
You know, and I have a feeling that sort of what's at play here, one of the reasons Fox is slamming the door on him is they know that some sort of smoking gun is about to come out uh, as it pertains to his personal life. Some sort of Harvey Weinstein type situation is about to unfurl because otherwise, if his version is true, then it makes no sense. If all he needed was three more weeks to complete filming, then why do they fire him? And when you consider the fact that that Singer has had a great long history with Fox, Fox is where he made all those X-Men movies. Fox has treated Singer very kindly over the years. He's been part of their home team. And now all of a sudden they're like, get the fuck out of here. We don't want to know from you anymore. Something else is going on here. It's not what Singer is saying. I don't want to get into speculation about what it is, but I have a feeling we have not heard the end of this story. And just on a more, just as a film fan, I think Singer should probably, you know, assuming he doesn't end up in jail after all this, I, I think he needs to go away and recharge his batteries. I think he's someone who has a great vision I actually think he's a very gifted and intriguing storyteller. When he's great and he's firing on all cylinders, he's made some phenomenal movies that I don't think can be overlooked. You know, I, I think he's got plenty to offer, but I, I, a part of me thinks he needs to go away for a while, needs to like find himself. He needs to go away. So I guess this is going to be the beginning of his going away, and God only knows what else is going to come out you know, soon about him. We'll just have to wait and see. Uh, in a couple days, the world is all excited. I don't know why, but in a couple of days, we're going to get the new teaser for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Um... You know, I, like I said on, on, on the Twitter yesterday, I just can't get it up for that movie. I don't know. You know, obviously, if, I, if the trailer's amazing, then obviously, you know, I'll, I'll change my mind and I'll come around. But for the time being, you mentioned that movie to me, and you may as well be mentioning to me that you did your laundry yesterday. I'd be like, well, that's great. I'm very glad that that happened. I just don't care. Um... And it's not because like, I didn't hate Jurassic World, but I, it, it left, for me, that movie was such like a nothing burger. It didn't do anything. It just, it's a movie that existed for me. That's all it really was. I, all I can say is, oh, well, that happened. But that movie didn't do anything to spark my imagination or get me excited about the Jurassic Park franchise again. So, you know, yesterday everyone was sharing all this stuff in teaser images from the teaser. And there's a clip now of Chris Pratt waking up a, a T-Rex and whatever. I don't care. I don't care. Um, but, you know, <clears throat> that's coming up on Thursday. The only thing that I'm like, you know, the, the, that, that gives me any sort of hope that this film might be more worthwhile than the last one is the director. You know, J.A. Bayona is the real deal. I think he's a very interesting, young, up-and-coming director. I've mentioned this in the past. So I, I'm excited to see where he goes with this. Um, but... I really, you know, I just, in general, I can't get it up for this. And, and sort of circling back to the solo situation, it's interesting to me that we're going to get a Jurassic World teaser on Thursday, and that film comes out a month after Solo. 
I just think Solo is like I, I you know, that, I think to me that says something. Solo comes out May twenty fifth. We've we've seen nothing. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom comes out June 22nd, and we're about to get a teaser, and they're already releasing clips, and there's official images. I think Solo is going to get delayed, but I keep beating that dead horse. Um, then there's also some exciting news. You know, this has been a great year for M. Night Shyamalan fans. He had his big comeback earlier this year with Split, and man, the guy works quick because he went from Split to everyone discovering that Split was actually a pseudo-sequel to Unbreakable, to then filming Unbreakable, I mean, filming the, uh, the, the follow-up, which is called Glass, and now, guess what? He rapped. He rapped. He announced in the last two days or so, he went on, the, on Twitter just to say, he, he sent out a message, he said, just rapped Glass. Much love to my cast and crew. Thank you for helping me tell this special story, and love to Philly for all the support. Shyamalan works quick. He works quick. So look at that. So for everyone who's who's excited to see Glass and, and see how Split and Unbreakable come together as part of now with this momentous sequel that's been many, many years quietly in the making, you know, Glass is one step closer to being a reality. They completed principal photography this week. Congrats to them. <clears throat> now, a sequel that I don't think anyone wants to see is another alien movie. And I, you know, Ridley Scott just made some statements about the direction he wants to take the next alien film. And all I can think of is why make another alien film? You know, Alien Covenant was a big just sort of, you know, blah at the box office. It didn't really set the world on fire. In many ways, it underperformed. It didn't live up to projections. It didn't do any of the things people had hoped. You know, you would think, oh, we brought back Ridley Scott. He's making a proper alien film, not Prometheus. This is an actual alien film with xenomorphs. It's him returning to the series that he helped launch. This should be amazing. And nobody really gave a damn. So instead of looking at that apathy and going, you know what? Maybe we should stop making alien movies. Apparently, they're going to push forward. So here's what Ridley Scott said. He said, we are going to make another. We are. I think what we have to do is gradually drift away from the alien stuff. Like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Move away from alien stuff in a series called Aliens. But anyway, he said, um, people say you need more alien. You need more face pulling, need more chest bursting. So I put a lot of that in Covenant and it fitted nicely. But I think if you go again, you need to start finding another solution that's more interesting. I think AI is becoming much more dangerous and therefore more interesting. He brought up something that happened here in real life, where uh, Facebook recently experimented um, about like combining bits of AI. So here's what Ridley Scott said about that and what intrigued him about it. He said, they put two AIs together and they were communing. It already invented a fucking language and they couldn't decipher what the language was, so they had to switch them off. What was said and where it's gone? They could already implemented something we don't know. So he's very intrigued by this idea of AI. 
And it seems like if we proceed with this alien series, which he's adamant that they are, they're going to move away from the xenomorphs and more towards AI. You know what I would wish they'd do? Scrap the alien thing, get James Cameron on the phone, and contribute your AI ideas to the Terminator reboot that's coming out, directed by Tim Miller. I, I would much rather whatever this AI concept Ridley Scott has in mind get lumped in with the next Terminator movie than another alien. I just, I think the alien thing is done. If you're not going to have xenomorphs and actual aliens at the center of it, then why even bother moving forward? So in my heart of hearts, I would say someone get a conference call, get Tim Miller, James Cameron, Ridley Scott all on the same line, have them swap ideas for AI, give Ridley Scott a story consultant credit on the next Terminator movie, and let's just go that way. Because as it stands, Terminator is another franchise that should probably go the way of the Dodo after these last two movies did nothing to get people excited for it again. So of the two, I'm more interested in Terminator. And if they're doing AI, you may as well just go the Terminator route. But obviously, this is all just my, you know, fantastical spitballing, if you will. And there's a lot more of that sort of spitballing coming up in my conversation with Rob Marrero, which is coming up in just a moment. But before I get to that, let me handle some business here. We got some more reviews for the podcast. And I always promise you guys, if you give me a review, I will read it here on the air. So I'm going to do that. And by the way, please, 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 if you're enjoying this, if you're one of the new listeners out there, I know that my last episode was the most listened to by a long shot. So the show is growing. There's a lot of new ears here. If you guys are enjoying this so far, please take the time to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. I can't even tell you how much it helps. In fact, it helps so much that I'm excited to announce that the El Fanboy Podcast is now in the top five podcasts for fanboys in the world. We broke the top five in terms of fanboy podcasts, and it's thanks to you guys downloading the episodes. It's thanks to these wonderful reviews I'm getting. So let's keep it going. If you like this, please just go take a minute, jump on the Apple Podcast app, and let people know how you feel. But okay, in the last couple of weeks, there was one uh, from The Brown 24 gave me five stars. The review reads, are you a fan? If you're a fan, you'd love this podcast. A wealth of knowledge packaged with pure entertainment. Mario has his finger on the pulse. Five stars. I dig it. Then there's one from user Baseman2112. Uh, it's called Mario Knows His Stuff. And it's simple. It just says, great, informative, film-focused podcast, exclamation point. And then the most recent one, it's uh, by a user named Mulindel, Melindel, Mulindel. I don't know how to pronounce that, but they say, MFR keeps it real. Great podcast with not only epic fan passion-fueled rants, but also respectable research and sources to back up his takes and to inform the humble listeners. That he tells it how he sees it with no filter is a breath of fresh air in a larger fan culture world that's so hampered by sponsors and clickbait culture. Keep up the awesome work and keep up the killer bochinche and scoops. Thank you, Mulindel. I really appreciate that. Um, also, 
You know, we got a new patron over on Patreon this week. So thanks to the who everyone who's made themselves a patron on Patreon. But we you know we added another one to our ranks this week. Also, the El Fanboy YouTube channel has now surged north of a hundred subscribers, which is a big deal because I've only had that channel for about nine months. I hardly ever use it. In fact, there were four months there where I didn't post a single thing because it's kind of like the redheaded stepchild. Of of what I offer you guys, and we're already at about 115 subscribers. So if you have not yet done that, head over to the uh, El Fanboy YouTube page and subscribe today. So the, yeah, this thing is growing. I'm very excited. As I mentioned at the very opening tag of the show, I've got a whopper of a guest. Not only are they a comic book titan but they also you know bisect they also cross-sect i should say marvelously with movies so this is someone who's going to interest you whose books have been adapted and who, who are very much part of the hollywood comic book sort of crossover culture that we're excited about and this person has agreed to be on the show i'm not going to say their name just yet because i don't want to jinx it I, I know sometimes availabilities shift and whatever but as it stands it looks like i'm going to have this person on the show either next week or the following week so keep your eyes out for that i'm very excited and I do all this. I'm motivated to go out on that limb and try to book you guests like this because of the feedback you guys give me. All right. I don't work for a website. No one assigns me to do this. I do this because I love doing it and because it means something to me. And every time you guys take the time to let me know what it means to you and that I'm giving a voice to you, the fanboys, and that you know, I just... You guys are why I do this. So thank you for the support. Keep your eyes on my Twitter account, you know, I underscore am underscore MFR. Keep visiting lfanboy.com. There's a lot of really cool stuff, uh, especially if some of what I'm working on for 2018 comes to fruition. You know, I'm a big believer on go big or go home, and I think I'm going big in 2018. But anyway, okay. Uh, now... We're going to get into my conversation with Rob Marrera. So for this 41st edition of El Fanboy, I, I, I thought, who's someone very special to me who I could bring on? Someone who kind of sees eye to eye to me, with me in certain many ways as a fanboy, but in other ways couldn't be more different than I am. Someone who could mirror me and totally shatter that mirror all at once. And I thought of my, my brother from another mother. His name is Rob Marrera. He's a voice actor. He's a very cool cat. He's the voice of the push pop. He's the voice <laughs> for Armani right now. I'm in the world of randomness of all that. He's also an, a, a coach for up-and-coming voice actors here in New York. I couldn't be prouder of this dude, and I couldn't be more excited to have him on this edition of the show. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here is Mr. Rob Marrera. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Nice to be a part of the infamous El Fanboy <laughs> podcast. It's nice to hear it so much and not to be a part of it. It's kind of exciting. Not even going to lie. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I, I, I've just, I've been waiting for the right time to bring you on because, like, I feel like we, we've had these kinds of conversations just, like, for the hell of it on and off for the last 20 years where we just analyze things way too passionately. Yeah. And I was like... <laughs> 
you know what? I think now with Star Wars The Last Jedi coming in just about two weeks, I'm like, this is the right time to bring him on. We got a Star Wars movie coming on, and that's one area where you and I are definitely on the same page in terms of being fans, you know? Absolutely. No, and it's funny because, like, you, you just go into such depth of certain things where it's kind <laughs> of like it even kind of escapes my scope at some points where I'm kind of like, you know what? I had zero thought on this movie, and you just gave me a view. Uh, maybe I agree with it. I don't know. Maybe not. But now I have a view. It's like you forced me to think more. Well, but this is one one topic where it's kind of like, no, no, I have a point of view. I have a soapbox, too. <laughs> they can yeah, stand side know. by side. Well, you might be a little different, but mostly the same. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Now, now but actually, now I want to throw you a little bit of a curveball. Oh. Because before we get into the Star Wars stuff, before we go into that galaxy far, far away, mm-hmm. I uh, I actually want to ask you about Justice League. I know this is the thing. I don't know. Yes, because I just kind of have to. Because you know, I, I, I've been mm-hmm. talking a lot on the show about yeah, you know the the appeal this movie had, or rather, the appeal it didn't have. It did. yeah. And you know what? What kind of a fan are you when it comes to comic book movies and all this sort of stuff? You know, mm-hmm. wh- what are your viewing habits? Like when you hear about a comic book movie, like which ones do you tend to gravitate towards? What are the last few you've seen? Like I, I want to get some background on you before we get to Justice League. You know, let people know what kind of a comic book movie viewer you are. OK, well, I guess I'll before I go into movie habit, I guess I'll just first and foremost i am a batman fan before we even break down whether i like dc or marvel more cuz mm. obviously that's that's really where the big dichotomy and split of the you know the community is mm. it's either dc fan or marvel fan now because i am a batman fan it does not mean i am a dc fan that is a difference mm. i do like characters of the dc stable i love what jeff johns did with green lantern um, the Green Lantern Corps, I thought, was just freaking phenomenal. Just an, um, The Blackest Night was probably one of the best story arcs I've ever read. Nice. I so I love that. So I, And that actually made me really like uh, appreciate Green Lantern. Um, first and foremost, again, love Batman. Uh, Killing Joke is, I mean, I don't really need to go into it. Killing Joke is the Killing Joke. It is one of the most amazing comics that ever came out. I love Nightfall. Um, I've read even most recently Court of Owls. I mean, again, Batman is Batman you know, is your guy. For lack of a better word, he, that's my shit. That's yeah. my shit, right? Oh, you can so, curse so, you. So you Batman. can fucking curse. You've heard my show. Well, this is true. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to be not potty mouth. No. Um, but yeah. So anyway, Batman is my shit. Now that's in terms of that. When it comes to the movies, then it just becomes really. The characters that I guess I'm attracted to that I think story-wise have a little something like, okay, so I love the idea of Thor, but he wasn't my favorite in terms of the current movies that are out. Yeah. Um, actually, Captain America is. Captain America, um, I think, is my favorite if we were to go into the Marvel stable of characters. I think Captain America is awesome, one of Jack Kirby's greatest creations. Now, but, hey, no, no, hey, let me ask mm, you, though. Let me ask you. Yeah. Is that in terms of, like, you brought that fandom into all this, or the movies themselves made you a believer in Captain America? It made me more of a fan, Okay. actually. I think Chris Evans did such an awesome job job giving that character life 
that it just added more to my love of Captain America. I don't see Captain America movie and Captain America comic as two separate characters. I see them actually blended very nicely. Nice. Same goes with uh, Robbie, Robert Downey Jr.'s mm-hmm. um, portrayal of Iron Man. I feel like there is a strong connection between comic book and uh, movie counterpart. I think they both coexist very nicely um, and they translate very well. So it's really just char- the characters that attract me. So Captain America, I'll see it opening night. Thor, I probably waited a week or so. Um, <laughs> if I even went to the theater to see it, to be honest, I, I saw Thor in the theater. I did not see Dark World in the theater. I waited. Oh. I didn't, yeah, I didn't even buy I was kind of like, mm, I'm sure it's good, but. Well, honestly, that was the fine call with the Dark World. That was. Yes. Porqueria. Yes. Oh, God. Que pedazo de mierda. Like, come on. I'm, and, and again, it wasn't a total bomb, still yeah. entertaining, but not a movie I was looking to, yeah. you know, spend 40 bucks on. Yeah. For Why I say 40, because clearly I'm not going alone. No. Right, exactly. <laughs> the beauty of being married, you get to pay for everyone. Married um, with two little girls, by the way. Jesus. All the, all the money. Yeah. All. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of how I gauge movies. So it's really just by character. Um, after that... I, I know a lot of people stray from trailers. I like trailers. I need. I I like it. It it's what hypes me up. It do, it doesn't ruin the movie for me, at all. Talking about it before the movie comes out does not ruin it for me. So I feel like the trailers, they give me, you know, they give me that extra push to actually go see it. So the trailer got to show me something, to get those to get that gear running. Got to so, get those juices so flowing for me to actually. You're not someone who's just gonna be like, well, it says Marvel at the beginning, no. so I got to run no. to see that, or it says DC. no, no, no. So no. the trailer's got to sell you. Oh yeah, the, the trailer got it. Like they has to be a hook. Yeah, you got to be a little fish hook. I'm the fish. I'm in the water. I'm looking at it. Throw the hook. Get me. Bait me. Freaking and, and totally bring you, me in. Yeah, and that's in every area where you and I are different. Because like you know, you and I both have sort of similar lives where like we have our careers and we're sort of freelancers and we have our wives and our kids and all that sort of good stuff. Mm-hmm. But like me, like I tend to feel like an obligation, even beyond like my <laughs> L fanboy needs. Like I feel like even if this looks like shit. I still need to see it because, you know, I just need to see it. I need to see for myself whether or not this was, you know, was worthy of of seeing. I just need to I I can't let anything go through when it comes to these comic book movies. But you. Yeah. But like, but you are more like, you know, you got to sell me. You got to you can't just assume you're going to get my money. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, I, and honestly, that's probably just my own mentality just because of my day job, obviously doing sales. I feel like you can't you, you're not going to get me just because it doesn't yeah. work that way. It doesn't work that way. And that's I could be important. a fan, but you're not going to get me just because. Yeah. And that's an important distinction, because, you know, when it comes to these kinds of movies, you know, you want to attract people like myself, but you also want to attract people and probably mainly people like you and people who are exactly. even a little more casual than you, because you, exactly. you know, the studios know they're going to get my money. You know, they're like, OK, the hardcore nerds, we're going to no matter what we do, no matter how many times we tweak the suit or who we cast as so and so, there's going to be those people who no matter what, they're going to be there day one. But they want to try to pull in people like you. So that's why I'm really glad to have you on, because someone from your perspective, like, 
you know, these last few DC movies, you know, mm-hmm. in my mind, have been somewhat polarizing and somewhat off-putting to yes. someone who's not like a hardcore nerd who's going to be there on day one. So right. let me ask you, as someone who has uh, above and beyond anything else <laughs> is a Batman fan, which indirectly, you know, you don't say you're a DC fan, but the fact that Batman's your guy kind yeah. of pulls you in that direction because that's, you know, that's his team. That's the team he plays for. He's a Justice Leaguer. He's a DC. Comics icon. So, mm-hmm. with these last few DC movies, like, you know, how have you felt leading up to Justice League in terms of the films that have preceded it? Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman. Like, you know, have you been a fan of what they've done so far <laughs> in the build? It's it's actually funny because if you like now thinking of it in retrospect, um, just with all those movies in the order that they came out. As they've been coming out, I've been disconnecting more and more. Oh, okay. So Interesting. So let's start with Man of Steel. So Man of Steel came out. I went to see that opening weekend. Not opening day, but I did see it opening weekend. I saw it yeah. that Sunday when it came out. I saw it. I did not think it was, you know, the horrendous movie that a lot of people thought it was. I also didn't think it was a great Superman movie. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Was it entertaining? Yes, it was entertaining. It was great to see people fly. It was great to see these, you know, larger than life, godlike characters punch each other through buildings and possibly murdering millions. Yeah, <laughs> I've had that same, you know, thought in my head to, you know, and even watching it again, I think probably like two weeks ago, I was like, damn, they killed a lot of people <laughs> with like a body slam. What happened here? Dude, by the way, hang on, can I just like, say, what? yeah, like fucking Zack Snyder had such a hard on for like the destruction. Oh. Like there was, there was something that I didn't mention in my revisitation of that movie. Where uh. It was like, like when, when the, when the crazy Kryptonian ship was, oh. what was, hang on, like when, uh, when Superman basically like went through it and crashed it or whatever, like, at some point, okay. when it's over Metropolis, right, and yeah. right before it crashes into like the black, no, no, what happened to it? It's the one case. Okay, so it's the one Zod was flying in pursuit of the one that Lois was in, where she was right. trying to you know get the world engine recalibrated. Um, when Superman goes through it and destroys it and forces it to crash, it was over water. <laughs> like, how easy would it have been to just have just the ship go into make the- it make it bank left. Yeah, or yeah hard. just crash into the Whatever. water, boom, you make it look nah. epic. But oh, no, yeah. fucking Zack Snyder had to have that thing take down like, like 10 no, skyscrapers. Kill everyone. Yeah, it had to cut through 10 skyscrapers on its way to the ground. Like, he exactly. literally, he wanted to destroy every possible fucking thing he could. I mean, he 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 had that like Michael Bay kind of orgy of destruction. Going it really up, did which, feel that way, yeah. It, it did, which sucks because honestly, I feel like you can. I mean, I know we're kind of going off topic a little bit, but I feel like you could get so much more reaction from the audience if, let's like you said, it was above water, and as it's crashing, it just grazes a building or like yeah. just misses a building or like. There's a guy, you know, window washing on a fucking, you know, one of those things on the side of the, the on the side of the building, and he's he's like able to touch the ship. It's so close that yeah. it almost killed every, and then it crashes in the water. Like you could have did something like that. Yeah, you feel those and human that stakes. 
like you'd feel like you know you feel your stomach kind of go like oh my god man so many people almost just died right there that's so cool that was so close superman is the fucking man and that's why he's superman yeah but instead it's like no not only did he, he take correct, it down yeah he also saved you know potentially like millions of lives yeah, he right got there. it in the nick of time it's just in the nick of Whatever. Instead, it's almost Instead, like, like laughable. No. It cuts. Yes. <laughs> it cuts through the sides of like uh, ten different skyscrapers, sending them all into just ash. Ridiculous. And I'm like, ridiculous. what are we yeah. doing? And that's the thing too, where it's like you see it, and and the, even the way they get destroyed, you're like, would it have imploded the way that it did? Did somebody <laughs> plan this before it went down? Like, all right, guys, we're gonna take this shit out. Like, there's a government conspiracy going on. Yeah. All the aliens are happening. We're like, we're gonna blow this shit up when the fucking when the spaceship gets close enough. I get, you know, this is when we do it. Knock it down. I don't know. It was just, just it was much. It was a little much. It but, was a little much. But I'm sorry. So we, we totally I, that was a tangent. So it was you were tangent. talking man. But I think that's 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 good. I think people had those thoughts. I was like, <laughs> I think needed to get that. But, <laughs> so anyway, so Man of Steel. Okay, so I saw it. It was cool. It was entertaining. All right, whatever. I didn't think it was fantastic, but it is what it is. Fine. Um, BVS. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it. That's all you have to say. We can move right along. <laughs> yeah, I think that kind of wraps it up. Like, I was disappointed in a lot. I, uh, I mean, as it, it was funny because Jesse Eisenberg's Luther. Now, I know a lot of people have, you know, there's, there's, I've, heard, I've heard both sides. Some people really dig it because it's different. Some people don't like it because it's not. It doesn't feel like Luther whatever. For me, I was just kind of like, all right, you know what? I'm going to give Jesse Eisenberg um, – the, you know, the past to do it and wow me on screen. Um, just like I did with, uh, Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger yeah. was blew me out of the water. And I was like, well, shit, you know, after him, he kind of set the bar of people that you would go, man, he can't play that part. And then, you know, they, they do something, they, they, you know, they perform a masterpiece. So after he did, I was kind of like, you know what, I'm going to give everybody a shot. I don't think he'd play the part, but Hey, let's see what he does. I saw it. Wasn't a fan. So that already turned me off. Number one. Um, Batfleck, he was cool. I actually like kind of how dark and brooding he was. He was pretty of a badass. Um, the weird Rocky montage was odd and kind of misplaced, but okay, sure, whatever. Um, uh, and then Doomsday was just, I feel like, I feel like that was a wasted. I feel like that was, that was, that was a waste. Mm-hmm. It was a waste. I, I feel like they could have did more. And I get that it was a setup, but I was like, ah, I don't know. This kind of feels Justice League big, and you just kind of let it fall apart. Yeah. It could have been Justice League big. Because yeah. you got Batman, you got freaking Superman, and all of a sudden, holy shit, Wonder Woman, who honestly I think was the best part of the movie. I actually loved Wonder Woman's little, like, snippet. Yeah, no, I thought she it, was like, great. Saving everything. I was yeah. like, look at her coming in and freaking saving these two jackoffs that are trying to fight each other. That's just fucking awesome. I mean, like, honestly. That, that girl power, like, yeah. it, like, just defined. See, I think you're totally right, by the way, in terms of, like, it should have been Justice League big. Yeah. I would, like, in hindsight, and even actually back in the Latino review days, I'd once written just a bit of, like, here's how I would do it, my own, like, fantasy mm-hmm. booking. I was going to say, like, okay, let the let the threat that they face in Batman v Superman, A, be each other, Batman versus Superman. Yes. Then yes. let Lex Luthor be, like, be working on some sort of plot that they then have to work together to fix. But then Doomsday shows up and that like, you almost ended on a bit of like a cliffhanger because now uh-huh. it requires the Justice League to come together to uh-huh. fight Doomsday. 
I would have actually preferred that a lot more. Right? Like, wouldn't that have worked a lot more than just fucking rushing right to the death of fucking Superman, his second yeah. movie? And then freaking just bring him back, like, right away. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, you, you made his death kind of rushed, and I didn't even really have time to mourn him. And that's the thing. And so imagine, so then, so now you have the cliffhanger, then you have Justice League Part 1, where the team mm. fights Doomsday, and maybe yeah. at the end of that, as part of that, he dies. Exactly. And in Justice League 2 is the team trying to figure out a way to stop Doomsday, like, without him and whatever. Maybe the Green Lanterns chime in and they're able to help. I'd and yeah. then you yes. have like a Superman, like a, a proper sequel that deals with the resurrection of Superman in a whole other movie. Which yeah. is great because that in and of itself, I mean, Jesus Christ, those are the first comics I personally ever owned was the return of Superman. That was yeah. literally the first comic I ever bought with my dollar, dollar fifty or whatever the hell comics cost, yeah. you know, fucking 20 years ago. Yeah. Was the death of Superman. Him yep. dying brought me to comics. Now, uh, now, not to say that I never saw a comic before. I was raised in the Jim Lee 90s uh, with my brother being, you know, yeah. ever so awesome and buying those comics himself. So I was surrounded by comics, surrounded by Marvel. But my first comic book purchase was a DC comic. Dude, I'm looking at it on my shelf right now. The Return Dude, of I, I'm literally such, looking at it. It's such an amazing... Because the thing is, Superman is... Sup he's fucking... Superman. He's Think of every yeah. mutant, superpower, celestial, galactic, like, it doesn't matter who you're thinking about. Superman is fucking Superman. He is the prototype for all what superheroes yes. mean in pop culture. That's why they have capes. That's why they stand there with their hands on exactly. their waist. That's why you think about superheroes flying. Like, he is the yeah. guy. Like, if we did a tree, just like a family tree of superheroes, it all starts on him. Yeah, absolutely. It all starts on him. Like, the prototype superhero is Superman. Yeah. You know, so when he died, that kind of shook me even. Yeah. A person who wasn't collecting comic books, a kid who wasn't necessarily a fan of Superman. I grew up watching Batman. That was my first movie, first superhero movie I ever saw was Michael Keaton. Yeah. But Superman dying in the comic books, that even brought me, that even snapped me out of it and, and be like, whoa, what's going on in the world of comics right now? This is crazy. I got to jump in. Uh, dude, I remember it was on the news. Yeah. It was on, yeah. I remember like Did watching you? the news on like Channel 4, NBC, uh, DC no has thing. killed Go Superman. Brain. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, I, you know. Not. And and that's one of the I'm glad I'm so glad you brought that up, by the way. It almost sounds like we planned this, but just for anyone listening, <laughs> we not. had no fucking I didn't tell him to bring this up. Like, this is a perfect point that I've been bringing up like that movie. It included so many things that should have attracted so many fans. Exactly. Because even people who never collected a comic book a day in their lives knew about the death of Superman. And yep. they have that death of Superman or the return of Superman book yep. on in their shelf, in their garage. Yep. You know, They've owned it at some point or another. <laughs> and that's not all. It also borrowed elements from one uh, from another iconic legendary book being Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns. The Dark Knight Returns. Exactly. You know, so like it referenced two of the most revered Huge. comic, you know, graphic novels of all time. Oh, yeah. Like it massive. introduced. Like those had huge appeal. Huge. And it, it introduced a brand new Batman who's played by an Academy Award winner in Ben Affleck. <laughs> it introduced the first ever cinematic Wonder Woman 
ever. Exactly. It gave us the uh, you know Lex Luthor is a pop culture icon. He's one of those you know everyone knows who Lex Luthor is. Thanks, Gene Hackman. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, but and, and like just everyone knows Lex Luthor. Everyone, yeah, exactly. and because of the, you know, the 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 graphic novel, everyone knows Doomsday. Right. So it introduced all of these. It 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 it, it banged all these different bells, and yeah. people still didn't come out in droves mm-hmm. and support this movie with all their heart and soul. Exactly. It's all right. I'm, exactly. I'm, okay, go ahead. You're so, but you're, in any event, so, so BVS should have been Justice League huge and uh, unfortunately disappointed. Yeah. Um. I, although I did dig the flash, uh, flashback. I did kind of enjoy. Okay. Uh, or flash oh, forward. So you're the one. I did enjoy that. I actually you're the that. one. Okay. I was the one. I'm part of that one percent. <laughs> I actually did enjoy that. I did. It. I thought that was kind of cool. Though Ezra Miller. But that's another conversation. See, that's see, that's Sorry. an area where we disagree. It, 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 just, yeah, I know. just so it's noted, I love Ezra Miller. I yeah. really enjoy. I actually enjoy. Well, I like him. I do like him. And I and I enjoy Jesse Eisenberg at Lex Luthor. And for what it's yeah. worth, despite it being underutilized, I really enjoyed Doomsday. So see, Shut we're up. alike but different, that. and that's why I wanted you on. So all right, yeah, keep going. Look at that. Yeah, Doomsday not a fan. Lex Luthor not a fan. Ezra Miller, I don't know, could have been better. But then again, I don't know. I might just be brainwashed by the CW at this point. I might just be a paid sponsor for them. So don't listen to me. It's not going to be Grant <laughs> Gustin, Rob. It's he not, couldn't be Grant I know, Gustin. I know. With his, like, hold with his like he weirdly could... loose suit on his lanky body uh, that wouldn't be aerodynamic. Rectangular body. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I hate the suit. <laughs> but whatever. Um, and, and the worst is the, the fact that they changed the suit for this new season. I'm kind of like, you added some gold. He looks the same. You didn't do shit. This was lazy. But whatever. Another conversation. So anyway, Wonder Woman, I didn't even see. Are you hang on a second? Yeah, I know. And and again, I know I literally just said I loved Wonder Woman and BVS. I did. See, I okay. Awesome. Let the record show what BVS did. Yeah. And that's BVS literally BVS took a guy who came to see it, who loves Batman, who had a genuine interest in seeing where this world was going, and he didn't even fucking bother to show up for Wonder Woman, despite the good reviews, despite all the buzz, despite having his friend Mario going, Wonder Woman's amazing. Mind you, I hear that everywhere. Anybody that has watched Wonder Woman, I always ask them, what did you think? And literally across the board, everyone has said it's awesome, it's cool, you should watch it, check it out. And even then, I still didn't even bother. Like, but I'm Rob. BVS left. A, I know I am Rob. <laughs> BVS left such. A, and I don't know. It just left me kind of meh. And I think I blame. Well, and before Wonder Woman, I blame BVS, and I also blame Suicide Squad. Yeah, I was gonna say you totally glossed over I did, Suicide I did, Squad. Just to show you where Suicide Squad sits in my in my yeah. radar. Suicide Squad really, really left a really bad impression on me. Mm. I was Mm. just – it was – it could have been such a cool – It could have been great. Movie of – and they had Will Smith. They, they had a a, they had a power player. They he, and you know what? Like yeah. they had a couple of them. But I think with him, he 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 can carry a movie. And a yep. movie like Suicide Squad can live off of that new comedic, serious tone that comic book movies are now doing. Suicide Squad totally lives in that place where it would just rock. Now, yep. 
from from there, first of all, Enchantress, what the fuck? Oh, and and her, and, and her giant sphinx partner. Yeah, but dude, <laughs> the the worst. Just starting the movie, worst archaeologist in the fucking planet. That already like sh- like just totally ruined me. Wow. So I'm in this place with these ancient things. Look at this ancient doll. Let me crack it open. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's honestly, no. I, I How about you take it, put it in a box and shift it away? You fucking moron. What are you doing? I don't even know what you're talking about anymore <sighs> because like I saw the movie and I, I think I scrubbed most of it from my memory. I only saw it once. Uh, uh, so what you're yeah. describing, like it's, it's almost like I've never seen the film that you're it's, talking it's, about. It's like literally mentally scarred all yeah. the things that I hated about the movie. There was that slip not being in the movie for five seconds. Mm-hmm. Adam beach, Adam beach. Like, oh, yep. What? Why intri- why even introduce him? I don't know. Why even tell know. me who the hell? Why even tell me his name? See, why make him an actual character? See, just so you know, when I think of that movie, all I can picture is all, like all that comes to my mind now. Here we are a year and a half or a year and change later. Mm-hmm. I think of uh, I, I'm 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 scrounging here. Let's see. I think of of the fact that th- there was a giant walking sphinx man. Yep. I think about them fighting a bunch of dudes who look like uh, blackberries, like uh, the fruit, right. not not the phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I picture uh, a giant portal and and these villains suddenly trying to be heroic, even though like aren't they in Gotham? Where's Batman while this is happening? Where's and where's Flash where's the and heroes? Wonder Woman? Uh, and that's kind. Of, and I just picture like Enchantress just being like looking like a twelve year old girl mm-hmm. playing dress up, exactly, and a lot of forced camaraderie, and that's kind of all I remember about that movie. <laughs> yeah, like honestly, I feel like like the way Enchantress was played and and her look, it was it's like you could put her side by side with a uh, Hella in Thor Ragnarok and be like, mm, you look good. She did it better. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like so if we're going for end of the note. world badass chick, sorry, yeah. Hella takes it in spades. Hella takes it for sure, and Hella, <laughs> you know, Hella can can take it too. Anyway, mind, uh, mind you, mind you, Hella was actually like trying to start the end of the uh, end of everything. Yeah, this is. Can you actually everything. tell me what Enchantress was trying to do? I I can anybody was, tell me what she was actually trying to do? She, she built a machine. To, there was a, a victory yeah. tower like going into the air. And and there you go, and then and then stuff, and, and then, then stuff. reasons. Like that's it's that's what it feels like they were doing when they were doing the movie. They were just kind of like, yeah, she um, well, she makes a portal, and then uh, you know, we got to stop her because she's like bad and stuff, right? I yep. mean, that's what we should do. Yeah, it. So, so yeah, so, all right, so just cool, to sort of it. track this. Hang on, I'm trying to keep track here. So you saw Man of Steel because you were interested yep. and you wanted to give yes. this new sort of series a chance. Yeah, and because you I were like, left because I like Snyder. I was one, I'm also part of that one percent. I liked his Watchmen. Yeah, all and right. I like Three Hundred. All right, see, so that's another area where we're very different. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to see what he got. I wanted to see what he got. Yeah. So you saw Man of Steel. You brought genuine interest. You wanted to see it. Then Batman v Superman came out, and you were a little less interested, but you still wanted to see it because it's Batman, and it's Correct. how could you ter- pass up this right. once in a lifetime event? Then you even went to Suicide. Or did you see that in theaters, or did you see it on TV? No, that one I waited. So you didn't even see did. it in theaters. 
No, I was at that point. I was already detracted from me. Wow, I was. I, I, I'm over here thinking that you saw no. BVS and still saw Suicide Squad. So, so, so BVS on its own was enough for you to go. No, this is not worth a theater visit. Exactly. Wow, that's crazy. But, exactly. but, but you still ended up seeing it. But Wonder Woman, you haven't even seen oh, yet. That this day has been a pass. Okay, so obviously we can't and, discuss Wonder Woman. Yeah, and it's interesting because it's not even a pass that I don't want to see it. I feel like there's like just a block. Yeah, interesting. It's like I can see it, but uh, I don't know. I can, you know, go, you know, boil some pasta instead. <laughs> like that almost that seems better well, to dude, do. Just make sure it's dente and I'll be there in 20 minutes. All right, fair enough. I got but, some um, <laughs> but all right, so now, so now that brings us finally to Justice League. Yes. Did you see Justice League? I did not. Oh, Robert. And here's the thing. Wonder Robert. Woman, I passively didn't watch. Justice League, I purposely am not watching. Oh, wow. I didn't even think to ask for a distinction there. Yeah, Wonder yeah, Woman, you just didn't get a chance to, and it was like, mm-hmm. I'll see it one day. Justice League, exactly. you're like, no, I'm no, not, not even going to buy it. Now, why? You know, I'm not going to put words in your mouth. I haven't asked you this question before. Why like, did, did you make the actual decision to not see Justice League? Uh, I made it after it already came out. Okay. So I still had it in my brain that maybe I would see it, especially because obviously, you know, the oldest, my oldest, Adolin, she wanted to see it. So I still had it in my head like, okay, cool. Like uh, I'll keep it, in, you know, in the back of my mind. And then, and I hate to go by reviews because I like to form my own opinion, but they're hard to dodge in the world of social media, Mm -hmm. um, where that's all you see is reviews. And I'm not talking about people's reviews. I'm just talking about actual critics reviews. Um, and in reading about it and seeing the flaws in the movie and how disconnected it was and how Cyborg was probably one of the better characters as opposed to my fucking hero Batman, who now they're saying is a little too fucking emo and not the badass that I always grew up with him being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that kind of and just that alone was kind of like if that's not the Batman that I'm going to see, like if I'm not going to if I'm not going in to see the Batman that I remember seeing, not even in comic books. Fuck, screw the comic books. Now let's just talk into the animated DC series, Justice League. The Batman that exists in that realm is such a no-nonsense, grumpy son of a bitch that people are kind of like, don't mess with that guy because he is he is just shadow incarnate. That guy's just in a dark zone at all times. Yeah. If that's not the Batman I'm seeing, why am I bothering seeing the Justice League? Because that's the Batman we know. He's dark. He's brooding. He's in a group. And we all know he doesn't like to be in a group. Wow. He doesn't like to he doesn't yeah. like to be in a group. He doesn't like to work with people. But yeah. you're making a movie where he needs to work with people? What? See, I'm just trying to wrap my head around the fact that this thing got so screwed up that they took a diehard Batman fan yeah. and made him not want to see the first ever Justice League movie. Yep. That's just yep. It's unfathomable. Yeah. And, now, it, and, and it sucks because I want to like it. I mm-hmm. want to be a fan. But I feel like it's not true to the Batman that I know and I appreciate. Now, let me ask you. Did, so, so far, you haven't mentioned anything 
about like the behind the scenes sort of issues around the film. Did any of that factor into your decision making? How much of it are you even aware of? Like, I'm just trying, because see me, I'm in the bubble. I can't, for me, it's inescapable. So it was, for me, it was definitely part of my viewing experience and it was part of the whole thing. Um, For me, it was like the elephant in the room the whole time. For you, yeah. as someone who's not necessarily who doesn't follow this stuff in as as hardcore a way as me, like, yeah. did any of that factor into your decision to not see it? Did any of it, you know, it, like, it, how did it, it, it? It does make me weary. I mean, I probably out of like the hundred percent that you, like of the hundred percent you know, I probably know ten to fifteen percent of that, and it okay. does still play a factor. I wouldn't say it's a deciding factor, um, mm-hmm. but, but it still does play into my decision. Okay. It already put, it already makes me leery, but the trailer could squash that away if the trailer's worth it. Yes. You know, if if it's a good enough trailer, again, like I said, trailers are big for me. That's, that's their sell to me. So their sell can wipe those writer issues, director issues, casting stalls on filming. Like it could wash all that away from me very quickly in just a minute and a half that they have to sell me the story. They can do that very quickly. Which even then, the Justice League um, trailer was kind of whatever. Yeah, it was it was okay. It was okay. I mm-hmm. was like, eh, I don't know. Aquaman looks dirty. Batman looks needy. Wonder Woman is still the badass Wonder Woman that she is. <laughs> Flash is Ezra Miller, who I don't really care for, and Cyborg is some actor that I'd never seen before. And see, just to sort of like illustrate your point and point out that like you're not just like talking out of your ass here, that you really do seem to know only a very small percentage of what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not going to bring this up to like uh, like embarrass you or anything. Earlier today, you made an observation to me via text message that I want the listeners to hear. And I'm going to let you know like how this is actually emblematic of how for someone who's not in the bubble... You don't really know about all this stuff. So earlier when I asked you, like, you know, like I was just, I mentioned that I wanted to maybe talk about Justice League while I had you on. You mentioned something like, you know, I, I I don't know much about it. I just know that Superman's chin is all the rage, (laughs) but, but here's the funny thing. The chin is not the story. And that shows how sort of out of the bubble you are. So the reason that picture is making the rounds is not because of his chin. You see, Robert. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's because it's a CGI chin. No, it's not even his chin Uh wasn't CGI. See, this is what I mean. This is perfect. Look at that. His chin wasn't CGI'd. His upper lip was. Oh, because I know they had to do the upper. Right. Yeah. So I knew that that's why they were doing CGI, but everybody kept commenting on the chin because apparently he has a Shrek chin. Because you know what it is? In that picture that's gone viral, his lip looks like tiny and worked on and it messes with the whole dimensions of his face. Ah, So his chin looks insane. But the actual like the the actual conversation everyone's having, the thing that's gone viral, the thing that's all the rage is his fucking upper lip 
So when you point that out, I'm like, yeah, Rob is a good example of someone who's like not like not a hundred percent clued in on what's going on out there. Mm-hmm. Because I've tried to make the point that like everyone wants there there are certain people who want to blame the poor box office results and the lack of interest on the behind mm-hmm. the scenes drama. And I've been telling people, most people don't even really know the behind the scenes drama. Oh, they yeah, didn't yeah, want to see all. it. Yeah, they didn't want to see it because they just didn't want to see it. Right. So that's just, uh, you know, it's funny. This was supposed to just be like the tiniest part of our conversation. <laughs> but I'm honestly it ends up being massive. I just, you know, I just, I, I, I'm fascinated by the fact that we are now three weeks in to the first ever Justice League film arriving. And there are people out there who couldn't care less. And the fact that I have a boy in my circle here who's a diehard Batman guy who, when I go to your house and I look at all your awesome Batman merch that you have in your epic man cave, I blush and I'm jealous because it's so awesome and I might rob you one of these days. But, um, you know, just deal with it. But the the fact that someone like you wouldn't want to see justice league just mm-hmm. blows my mind. So I just, I had to ask you about that. I had to get your perspective on it because for me, it just says so much about the damage done to this brand and to this franchise mm-hmm. by someone who you like. And I, I hate to you know, shovel dirt yeah. on your boy, but you no, know, no. I know you like no, Snyder. Please do. Cause but... he keeps, he's, he keeps, uh, he's, He's not doing his thing. He's not pulling his weight. And that's the thing. I think he would be fine with books like The Crow or Dread or more Spawn even. More of these like underground cult-ish characters. I just don't think he has any, you know, he he has no business trying to make Superman movies. I don't think that's his lane. No, I agree. You're absolutely I think you're 100 percent on the mark. Like on if that. they I think tomorrow, he would rock. Yeah, a crow. I think he would rock. Plus, he'd still get to work, you know, with Jason Momoa. So, you know, all is well. There you go. But, right. You know? yeah. But, but yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. It'd be great to see him touch more comic properties. There's just so much independent shit out there. There's so much shit that Valiant puts out. Like, there's just so much stuff that you can yeah. mine. Really great material. And the stuff he was doing before all this, you know, Watchmen 300. Yeah. That's his lane. That's his stuff. That's that's his zhuzh, you know? Stick with it. Yeah. Stick with it. It's what you do well. It's what you know you what I'm saying? Because well. you're going to have a lot of people that are going to watch it because eye candy-wise, you do you do a good job. So it now, looks good. It looks so, nice. So now let me ask you this. <laughs> I mean, it'll never happen because I don't think anyone wants to hire him anymore. But <laughs> let's say tomorrow mm. you hear a press release. Lucasfilm has hired Zack Snyder to direct a Darth Vader standalone movie. How do you feel, Rob? You lost me. Oh, really? I thought that was going to give you a hard on. No. <laughs> the, the, the Darth Vader movie, uh, the Darth Mo- uh, Vader movie alone would, would hype me up, but I'd be leery because of Zack Snyder. Wow. Okay. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I would trust him with that. You know what it is? I feel like Star Wars, I think, is so sacred. Mm. It's like I'm it's like I'm kind of protective about it. Okay. Okay. I'm a little protective about it. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I've seen you. I don't know. No, no, don't don't you do something else. Okay. 
All right. So look, so but don't touch my Star Wars. <laughs> so now that we're on to Star Wars, let me start by asking you. Thank you. Um, this is not my first rodeo. Um, <laughs> now You've done this before. <laughs> now that we're on to Star Wars, let me ask you: uh, yeah. What is your per, like a scale of one to ten? Mm-hmm. What is your, your your current level of hype for Star Wars: The Last Jedi? Ten. Ooh, that didn't take. I thought you were going to think about it. So no. instant ten. Okay, oh, absolutely. Now, is it because of the trailers? Is it because of you enjoyed the Force Awakens and and how that'll lead into this? Is it a combination of both? Is it Ryan Johnson? Like, what is it that's got you this hyped up? It, it's it's it is everything. It's it's all of it. It is all of it. All of it is has me excited. I I love Force Awakens. Um, you know, and I, thankfully I've, I've been around to see one set of trilogy, uh, one trilogy set, you know, already yeah. completed. So that was really nice. Um, and now I get to live through a second set, uh, a second trilogy, um, and hopefully a third, but we'll touch on that later. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it's just, yeah, it's, I thought, I thought force awakens just free. It blew my mind. It blew my mind in, in a lot of uh, different ways. Okay. So story-wise, I thought it was fantastic. It was awesome. Uh, I, I, I did enjoy Ray's character. I thought she was a little bland, but still, um, she's, I'm intrigued to see where she goes. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't so much kind of going off of the, well, she was boring in this movie as much as it's kind of like, I want to see where they take her arc. Yeah. You, um, you acknowledge these are building blocks. You wanted yes, to see yeah, where it's oh, going. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I'm not at all judging them like she sucked in this movie. Why even bother? No, not at all. I know she's 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 being set up. Um, so so I'm, I'm I'm intrigued to see her arc. I'm intrigued to see uh, Ben Solo's arc, uh, uh, a.k.a. Kylo Ren. I'm interested mm-hmm. to see where he goes with things. And I'm really interested in seeing um, Finn's character because this is the first time we got to humanize a stormtrooper. Yeah, man. That's that like that is like in just in the in the scope of things like in in the universe of Star Wars and the Jedi and the Sith and the Galactic Empire, the Republic, all these huge, gigantic ideas that take up galaxies and planets. Thinking of the smallest minute thing in the entire thing in the you know in the entire realm of it, the stormtrooper, the uh, the, the the masked. Soldier, the guy that can't shoot for shit, except now these guys are freaking marksmen. Yeah. And they're human. They're people now. Yeah. You know, we knew them as clones once upon a time, but that doesn't do shit. (laughs) And then in the original series, they were just masked dudes. Clearly cannon fodder. They can fall off, make their wah sound. Yeah. Whatever. They're funny to look and they're funny to shoot. But now it, it, there's a there's a person under that mask. Yeah. There's a person that actually feels something. There's a person that when they saw blood, something that was huge already. Mind you, this is just the first freaking 15 minutes of the film. Yep. We see blood, a bloody handprint on the mask, and it just shake him to his core. A stormtrooper, somebody that's built to not have emotion, that's just there to point, shoot, click, kill, done. That's all they're supposed to do. This guy is shaken to his core that he has to take his mask off to take a breath. That moment is huge. That's a, it, it was huge to yeah. me. 
And what about the Huge. fact that later on, when one of his stormtrooper buddies sees that he's turn, he's a turncoat, and he calls him a traitor, and they have that fight, it's the like the fact that there is some kind, like there's relationships. Yeah, we've never there's seen relationships. That like we don't know who, like who they were to each other. Did those guys used to freaking eat lunch on this freaking giant, you know? uber giant death star yeah. these guys used to hang out together did they grow up in the stormtrooper ranks together did they both get orphaned from the same village together we don't know yeah but there was something there just in that word traitor like that yep. made him spin around and it, and it wasn't the word traitor that made him spin around i'm convinced it was the voice yeah he yeah. knew who called he knew who called him a traitor mm-hmm. and that's why he turned around and that's why he freaked out and that's why the dude threw down his shield he could have kept his shield in blaster and just like whatever let's yeah, do this, this i'm gonna take like the- no he was like i want to fight scrap. you yeah i want to scrap that's huge see this is why i like talking to you about this because again you know you're outside of my intense hardcore geek bubble because <laughs> within within like the community yeah. It, it it is so popular to shit all over the Force Awakens Ugh. that for me it's refreshing to speak to someone who shares my reverence for that film. I'm with you. Yes. I love the hell out of that movie, and Absolutely. I will defend it night yep. and day. And oh, I think yeah. you just purposely, like you just beautifully and articulately hit the point home as to why I love that film. Because, okay, yes, I know everyone wants to talk about the fact that a lot of the settings and a lot of the arc are very mm-hmm. similar to things we've seen before, so it seems like somewhat uh, of a retread. Yeah. Listen, listen, I, yeah. I, I'm willing to concede some of that ground. But mm-hmm. one area where I will fucking fight you is these characters. Yes. I think they gave us some very exciting new characters oh. who oh. have unlimited potential and yes. space to explore over the course of these next few films. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you like the fact that you're so excited about Finn, I think, oh, says yeah. it all. I love you know? it. And so, for, yeah. And me, like, I can't wait to see where Ray develops into. I'm yes. with you that, like, we didn't see a lot of shades of her in this, but there were so many questions surrounding her that are obviously meant to be answered in later films Thanks. that I'm like, I can't wait to see her development as a character. I think Ben Solo is oh, an absolutely fascinating sh- figure. Dude. I can't wait to see how the Knights of Ren were formed. Between what Finn was, and, yeah. and Ben... Th- those are the two characters I want to see. Yeah, I want to see. I want to see what's going on, I'm, especially with with Ben. I mean, just 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 to touch on one thing, um, that again I think is huge. So there's the stormtroopers being human, and how I broke that down. Yeah. So there was that. That's massive. Another one, something that we haven't seen. Now we know a lot of people know that no Star Wars. They know that the Sith are friggin badasses yeah the things they can do are just amazing yeah you know we never saw darth vader do that the most we saw darth vader do was do a couple of force chokes which in and of itself is awesome to see several times over especially in empire strikes back when i think he kills every other i mean i think he had one guy rise up the ranks and in the death star because he kept force choking people yeah but, so that's cool. And then we saw the semi-lackluster lightsaber duels. But it was the 70s. It is what it is. You know, I'm not going to that, – that, that, that's just a product mm-hmm. of, of its time. So I understand that. 
We've never actually now two big things. Well, I guess three with when it comes to Kylo. One, the fact that he was able to hold a blaster shot in midair again. First yeah. 15 to 20 minutes of the movie. The fact that he was able to hold Dude, that a was in the first shot, like, three minutes. That was it, right that, there. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was the beginning. This is how the movie starts. The movie starts with, well, with me, super exciting, seeing our homeboy Oscar Isaac. Yeah. Power to the Latinos. It's awesome to see a Latino, <laughs> you know, take the forefront of the fucking Star Wars movie. Oh, yeah. Sorry. That's, that's just, that's awesome to me. <laughs> So there was that. Then this creep, you know, these freaking guys, then Kylo Ren's ship, and then this Sith dude that we know nothing about at this point. We just know he has a mask that kind of looks like Darth Vader's. That's really about it. Yeah. He comes in, he holds a fucking blaster shot in midair, and then walks away and ignores it. Yeah. He's so powerful, you can hold a blaster shot yeah. without even giving it a second thought or mm-hmm. even holding his hand up, which is something that we now put with, you know, using the force. You put your hand out and that's how you force move things. And that's yeah. how you stop things. There's always your hand out. He put his hand out, put it down, walked away. He's that freaking powerful. And I think that's something that we haven't seen yet is how powerful people are in the force. Yeah. yeah. And it was great to see that. So that was one point. Second was being able to freaking yank information out of people's minds. We've never seen that. Yeah. We've yeah. seen force manipulation. We've seen people control other people by, you know, giving them, the, giving them those Jedi thoughts, the Jedi mind trick. We've seen that. But we've never seen somebody actually pick apart information out of people's minds. And then three... And this in in this this goes in tandem with Order sixty six when the stormtroopers went crazy and they started just blasting these Jedi's all over the place. Oh, that this is when all the Jedi's died in Yoda and Yoda yeah. he felt it in his heart that all the Jedi's just got killed because all these Jedi's got shot in the back by these stormtroopers. Prelude to him getting shot himself in the movie, we were purposely shown how strong Chewie's bowcaster was. A couple of oh, times yeah. in the movie. Time and time again. Purpose. And so many people lost sight of that, by the way. Oh, it was on purpose. Yeah. And then Han Solo got it. He grabbed it, and then he shot, and he was like, whoa, I like this thing. Yeah. This is not a regular gun. This is a freaking monster. When I shoot this, stormtroopers are flying off, freaking flying into different directions. Yep. Kylo took this shot to the gut, <laughs> punched himself to show that he that he's that freaking strong. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all. I and meanwhile, you got all these fucking punk kids talking about, oh, he's such a lame villain. He's so weak. He 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 couldn't even beat Ray. What kind of a Sith is this? He just got shot in the stomach with a fucking gun that kills multiple stormtroopers in a single blast that we've just spent two hours learning how powerful it is. Exactly my point. And And that just shows that he's one of the strongest Sith characters that we've seen on screen yet. Absolutely. And hands down. and, And that's the thing too. You know, Ryan Johnson has said some fascinating things that get me really excited and hyped for Last Jedi, which is about how basically like Ben and Ray in certain respects are mirror images of each other. And he wants to explore like how they're going to develop as characters in terms of like, you know, who are they going to listen to for, for, you know, who are they going to allow to mentor them? 
Who who are they going to allow to basically allow them to to help unfurl their abilities and their powers? Because people always say that Ray is like overpowered and she's a quote unquote Mary Sue character. Oh, Mary Sue. But yeah. I feel like both of them have this huge uh, power potential where they're where they're much more powerful than the characters we've seen. And I, and I don't think right. that's a product of lazy writing. No. I think they're going someplace with this where there's, you know, they want these two things. Like these are two beings that can do things that we have never, ever seen before. Yeah. And it's and and part of what's fascinating about these next few films is to see how those abilities are curated, how they are manipulated, who do they turn to for guidance, what part of, you know, how do they end up at the end of all this? Yeah. I think it's very deliberate that the two of them are this insanely powered, you know? I agree. I agree. Absolutely. 100%. I think I think we're finally starting to see characters in the force and we're finally getting to see what the force is really about i like and i'm and i'm happy and i'm happy that they're finally taking it there because i think the only time we've ever really been able to get a taste of what the force can do has only been in literature and video games yeah dude the force unleashed yeah oh i mean come on (laughs) Come on, Star Killer was one of the greatest, and you know, and I'm really happy that that um, what's his name, Sam Witwer. Sam Witwer. Sam Witwer. I'm really happy that he got to vo- that he got to voice Dar- uh, Darth Maul. He got yeah. to, he got to be Darth Maul. I thought that was amazing that they yeah. brought, that he was able to stay in the Star Wars universe because he was a, a fantastic Star Killer. For those of you who missed that, I'm referring to the video game, the the Force Unleashed. If you've never played it and you're oh. a Star Wars fan, what is yes. wrong with you? Get it. It's on. If you have an Xbox One, it's on the arcade. Just look at it, pull it up. I think it's like five bucks. Do yourself a favor. Spend the 12 hours playing the game. You will not be disappointed. They do the force right in that game. And in these new movies, it looks like we're finally getting getting to see the force like truly unleashed. No more Jedi mind tricks. No more lightning. I I don't mind if they use it at some point, but that 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 was always the go to. Now, look, I can make him think this. Oh, look, I shoot lightning. That's all we've gotten. Like, no, I want to see more. I want to see cause it, what we can really do with the force. And it seems like, you know, the the seeds were planted to if for 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 Jedi or Sith to be able to read minds based on the fact that they can perform mind control. You know what I mean? So the fact that Kylo can do that isn't like J.J. Abrams just made up some new ability that he wanted this character to have. This is right in the wheelhouse of I can control your mind. And if I'm really powerful, I can read that shit. So anyone who wants to tell me that, that Kylo Ren is a weak emo villain Go to hell! You you missed all the signs. Exactly. You you were not paying attention. You were clearly not paying attention. Now, not only that, but to think that he's overpowered not 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 to not to step on you, but yeah. just one quick point because this was something still within our generation of uh, Star Wars is the fact that him again 
going into you know reading the people reading people's minds reading Poe's minds and Ray's mind and her obviously doing the reversal of such and uh, holding the blaster shot and you know taking the hit him being overpowered if we really think about it within the generations technically that we're playing with which is you know the original uh, the original trilogy um, or I should say the episode one trilogies um, and moving forward Darth Plagueis who was um, Palpatine's master was able to stop people from dying. I mean, if we're talking about overpowered, there was somebody within with, within a very short amount of, uh, of time that who was able to do something pretty insane. Yeah. He was able to, I mean, I hate that they use midichlorians, but the fact that he was able to manipulate that to preserve life, I'm sorry, that's overpowered. And that's not exactly that far away in terms of years because it was Plagueis, uh, Plagueis, Palpatine, Vader. Like we're not exactly that far away from how, how that happened. Yeah. I mean, Palpatine's not a thousand years old either. Yeah. No, you... you know, that's, that's within our generation of, of the universe. So technically in terms of force power, uh, Kylo is still pretty tame. No, you're totally right. You're totally right. You know? Yeah. So it's like, no, he's not overpowered. He's actually, he's, he's kind of right in the pocket and he can still learn a lot more clearly. And now with that in mind, do we think, well, you know, with, with the training that he's going to get from Snoke and all that sort of stuff, do you, do you think he's going to stay a Sith and become like darker and a more powerful Sith? Or is it possible that he's going to like switch teams or that Ray is going to go dark? Because you know, these trailers have been trying to get us to, to think that yeah, maybe, they're us. yeah, they're trying to get yeah. us to think that maybe one or both of them are going to switch shift. sides and all that sort of stuff. And, and if you recall in The Force Awakens, he mentions he keeps feeling a pull toward the light and this right. sort of stuff. Like, you know, do, do you think he's going, you know, just, this is all speculation, obviously, but you know, do right. you think he's going going to go good or do you think he's going to become like continue on his path towards becoming like one of the most ultimate evils in the galaxy i actually don't see that Mm. i don't see ray turning i don't see ray turning either i actually see ray not staying the mary sue either i don't see her staying completely light okay i see her kind of I see them both toe the line. I see him want like to they go might back. meet in the middle at some I point. I see them wanting to meet in the middle and then eventually coming together to take down the larger foe Snoke. So you think they're coming together? Uh, yeah, and not because they're related or not because they're going to be together and no, for no other reason except I, I just think that Ben could quite possibly be a mole. Oh my God! <laughs> now I'm going out there. I'm going out there, and the, and I really don't have really anything to back that up, except that I would just really like to see that be the case. Well, and that somehow Luke orchestrated this. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. See. The reason I said, oh, my God, is not because I think you're crazy, but it's because I have the same theory. So get out of my head. 
because we've never actually discussed this before. No um, way. I I've been saying for a while, and, and there's someone I'm going to have on the show next week, uh, Aaron Verola, who's going to tell me I'm crazy. But oh. Aaron, you get to hear me tell Rob this now, so you got to just listen and deal with it. So <laughs> I've been saying for a while. It's funny you said mole. I say double agent, which means the same uh, fucking thing. There you go. I've said for a while now that I think the reason that. That, that that scene played out between him and Han Solo the way it did. I think Han Solo knew uh, what had to happen. When, when he says, you know, like, let me help you. And you know, he, he, says like, like, he says, like, will you help me? And he goes, anything you need or any way I can. Oh, shut up. Oh, it, shut up. Stop talking. It, what? No exactly, way. Yeah, you're it, right. It's because he knows, like, if, if, if I allow Ben to kill me, Snoke will, uh, will bring uh, Ben uh. into his inner sanctum where he can do some serious huh? damage. Because remember, they were pointing yeah. out the fact that Snoke was sort of keeping Kylo at arm's length. He right. was just, you know, he was just a hologram. He yeah. didn't want Kylo to come to finish Too his close. training. He said, yeah. you're not ready yet. He heard Han Solo was coming. And he said, are you ready to handle this? Blah, blah, blah. Now that Snoke that knows that he test, killed Han. Test. Yeah. Yes. Huh? Now yeah. he can get into Snoke's lane and do some fucking damage. Shit, so yeah. I think, and top of the remember, Han is very sort of self-deprecating throughout Force Awakens. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's ashamed of himself. He feels like he failed as a father. He's ashamed to be in Leia's presence. Mm-hmm. So in his eyes, giving up his life so that his son could bring down the ultimate evil would be the greatest act of greatest redemption he, he could uh, ever uh, do. Uh, oh, look at <laughs> so that's why like, I, I actually have goosebumps that's talking about good. it right now Because like the that's fact that you mentioned The mole thing I'm like good yeah. I'm not The only one No I, I really think that's possible and I think that's why Luke vanished I think he vanished On purpose because the thing is I mean just going off of Yoda Yoda can feel when Jedi's died On another planet that means There, there is a specific connection Of the force where Jedi's Can sense things happening to other Jedi's and Sith can possibly sense, you know, connections through Jedi's as well, you know, granted in darker plane. But if for any reason Luke was too close, not even geographically, but too close to Kylo, uh, his, you know, his his own apprentice, Snoke or any dark master would be able to sense that yeah. they'd be able to sense that connection. So Luke had to disappear. Yeah. For yeah. the sake of the force, because the force is a giveaway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's just shit. Look at fucking that. I'm telling you, I have a huh. feeling that there's going to be a lot more to Kylo uh, Ren than people, you know, than than, than people imagined. And I um, hope so. I hope so because they really have a nice. They they set such a fantastic stage. Yes. Abram set the table. Oh, he set such, such a beautiful stage that at this point, um, man, they can just, they can just make a masterpiece. And I, and and here's, and here's like my final sort of bit in terms of defending that film. See, I defend it in, in such a way where I understand almost cynically why he did what he did because when, when when he was making the force awakens okay obviously he had to try to make a good film that's obvious but he also had to accomplish a few other key things you know he had to 
So he had to reestablish the Star Wars galaxy and get people excited about it again. He mm-hmm. had to make people forget about the prequels, about the bitter taste mm-hmm. the prequels left in their <clears throat> mouths. Yeah. So he so what's one way to make sure people forget about the prequels? Remind them why they fell in love with Star Wars to begin with. And how do you do that? Through acts of nostalgia, by reminding them of the films that made them fans to begin with. So I think that's one of the reasons why he kind of relied perhaps a little too heavily on Mm. nostalgia because he wanted people to, he wanted to like get the point across, listen, I know that the last three new Star Wars movies made you sort of disappointed and they didn't feel like the Star Wars you grew up with. This one is exactly like the Star Wars movies you grew up with, you know, in certain key areas. So Mm -hmm. I think he used nostalgia. Some would say as a crutch. I would say as an outright strategy. I think it was deliberate. Yes. He wanted yes. he wanted you to remember what it was like to watch the original trilogy. But at yeah. the same time, what he did, and it's the genius of it all, he gave us new and dynamic characters that have unlimited potential for where they could go in the future now that he has set the table. Yeah, absolutely. And And what I think is fantastic is that now with... Um, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but with ending this trilogy because of now this is predicting how well things are going to go. Obviously, we'll have to wait till the 15th to see if things continue on this really great path. And we're going to be there together to see Last Jedi exactly. and opening night, motherfucker. I know. So let's just say that Last Jedi is another big, giant, phenomenal film, and whatever comes, you know, next, just you know, ties a nice bow on a fantastic trilogy. I think now would be a great time to escape this timeline and then venture to other times. And that's exactly what it's, what they're going to do. You know, they announced two weeks ago, I want to say two weeks ago, maybe it was more recent than that, but they announced that Mr. Ryan Johnson, who who directed The Last Jedi, you know, Lucasfilm has come to him and they've given him the keys to the castle And they've said, Mr. Johnson, we want you to make a whole new trilogy for us with new characters and a blank canvas and basically do episode one of an all new saga. So now with that in mind, you know, I know where I'd like them to go. But Mm -hmm. since I've got you here, I'd like to ask you, you know. With Ryan Johnson, I'm, I'm not sure how familiar you are with his work or what you feel about the man, but what would you, you know, where would you like to see him go with an all new trilogy, if anywhere? Like, you know, what, what, what springs to mind when you hear a director with a blank canvas to start a new saga? In the world of Star Wars, I would absolutely 100% love to see them go back to the old Republic. Ah, yes. Okay. I'm tired of playing in that world. I want to see that world on the big screen. Okay. Now, now, now. Okay. So, cause, and that's very, and that's a very popular desire. I, for one, I've never played those games. I know that's sacrilegious, <clears throat> but, but, <laughs> oh Yeah. But but I know that everyone wants that. So now so yeah. now, so now that you've mentioned it, let yeah. me ask you: 
do you think, okay, so are you saying you would like something that's like an adaptation of the storyline in those games or just hmm. something that's set in that general world of the old Republic? Personally, now here's the thing, because there's one one storyline where every gamer would go just throw their hands up in the air and go, oh, God, yes, was the Darth Revan storyline. Okay. <clears throat> Darth Revan was just a fan, just a fantastic, fantastic character. And honestly, I don't think you'd be able to capture his story because Knights of the Old Republic did it so well. Wow. Okay. Now, now this is a forty-plus-hour game. Yeah. You only have two hours to tell a really good tale. There was no way they're going to fit forty hours mm-hmm. of content into two hours, truthfully, believably, nor honestly. So I wouldn't want to see Revan's story translate. I mean, I would, but it just wouldn't be done right. Now I don't know how familiar you are with the character Revan, but Revan was a full-on Jedi who actually defected, became. Uh, a self-titled Sith Lord along with his apprentice, Malak. And he actually was one of the first to try and take over the Republic. Hmm. See, I, I, yeah. I know nothing. So this is yeah, all he's new a, to me. Okay. He's a freaking all out freaking character. Long story short, he ends up catching amnesia, which is when you end up starting to play the game is that you play as this character who doesn't know until like, 20, 30, 20 hours into the game that you were a Sith Lord. You hmm. actually don't know that in the game. You just know that you're somebody who woke up with amnesia and you start being trained in the force and the Jedi Academy is trying to get you to be this, you know, this, you know, badass who's going to take down Darth Malak. Because Darth Malak, who was your apprentice, is the one that took you out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tried to take you out, which is why you ended up with amnesia. And then twenty hours into the game, you end up finding out. Oh, by the way, you were probably you were one of the most feared Sith lords out there. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. <laughs> which is a hell of a spin, you know. So overall, just story wise, that's a fantastic. Um, that's a fantastic. Story. And, 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 and and it's a conceit that we haven't yet seen in a Star Wars film. The idea yeah. of like what like what if you start in Episode One. Or, or, or almost like, you know, like one of the first things, like, you know, like, like Finn. Okay. Sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. Like, you know, like that, that feeling you had when you saw the first teaser for the force awakens and there's Finn lost in the desert. Remember uh, in the sand dunes and you're wondering what the fuck is going on. He looks just as lost as you are. Cause we're like, where are we going? Who is this person? What are they doing? You know, that, that mystery. Imagine a star Wars episode one of a new trilogy that starts Uh that way. Someone who just like, he wakes up in some crazy situation and he doesn't know who he is or why he's there. And that's exactly what I was actually leading up to was that while I wouldn't want them to while I wouldn't want them to do the Revan story, it would be great to start it that way. Mm, I like that. And know that and then find out, let's say, at the end of the second movie, even who they really are and where they stand in the universe. And then the big decision of. Shit. Do I do what I am now or do I do who I was? Dude, I fucking love this. So That's great. I mean, I think it's such a great idea that without having to take Revan's story, you could still do it again. Give it to the movie masses because, again, Knights of the Old Republic is an old game. Yeah. But the idea is fucking But see, I love this because it's new. 
for in yeah. terms of Star Wars, it's right. different. And in certain ways, it makes that character instantly who the audience latches onto. Because we, as Star Wars fans, are coming to this with certain expectations and certain questions of like, okay, so this isn't a Skywalker movie. What is mm-hmm. this about? This is something new and different. And yeah. you know, so so audiences are going to come in with that WTF feeling. So to have a character who right off the bat is living a what the fuck is this sort of situation instantly bonds us to that character. Because as he's learning about himself and what this world is, so are we. Exactly. So I love that. It's, it's kind of like if you take Star Wars and put a born identity life into yes. it. Yeah. Like they're amazing at certain things, but they don't know why. I and like not to say that all lot. of a sudden he just force moves something. Cause then you're going to be like, Oh, obviously he's a force sensitive person. Yeah. It might not even be that maybe he's just amazingly adept in a military, you know, in a, in a militaristic kind of fashion. And what mm-hmm. if you end up finding out he's a freaking crazy bounty hunter, one of the worst bounty hunters, bigger than Boba Fett, even like, what if he was like this crazy Mandalorian, uh, who was like feared in different uh, planets that uh, you know people you know just hear his name? Yeah, like and he tremble, walks into like, like a cantina type thing, and people are just yeah. cowering, and he's like, exactly. "What is that about?" Exactly, dude. This is okay. So let's write it and <laughs> let's send it to and Ryan just, Johnson. Send it to Ryan Johnson. And be like, by the way. You like, might want to consider like, this. Like, just you know, you could totally put your name on this and just give us a thank you at the end. It's fine. We're cool with royalty share, bro. Don't even put my name. I'm cool with royalty share. I'll do the Dude, time. I group, like right? that a lot. Let it catch money and just put it in my bank account. I'm okay. I don't need credit. <laughs> I like that a lot, dude. I'm wow. telling you. See, because I get, because I honestly, like I was talking about this uh, on YouTube a couple of weeks ago where I'm like, I don't know what to expect. I don't know how to feel, you know, yeah. because like on the one hand, I've always, not that I can't say always, but since they announced that Star Wars would continue on once Disney bought Lucasfilm, I've been like beating the drum. I want new shit. I yes. want new shit. Absolutely. George Lucas gave us an entire galaxy to play with. Let's it's- stop playing with the same, you know, three or four characters. Okay, exactly. or characters that are closely interlocked with them. Yeah, you know, no. and, and let's part let them of, end. Let's yeah, let them end. Let's bring them to it. Like I want to see new stuff, but by yeah. that same token, I'm also sort of scared now. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Well, yeah. Now it's like, be careful what you wish for. I'm like, we're gonna get a whole new animal right now from Ryan Johnson that yeah. doesn't link to the Skywalkers, you know, presumably won't include Ray or Finn or Poe who we didn't even talk about, by the way, Poe Dameron looks, I'm, I, uh, I love that character and I want his jacket. Anyway, yes. Um, <laughs> yes. But, um, but yeah, so like we're going to move totally away from that. And a part of me is like, Oh my god, I'm scared. <laughs> like yeah. I, uh, yeah. I hope no, they I agree. go the right way with it. And honestly, your idea for it and me as someone who's heard of Knights of the Old Republic a million times oh, but yeah. has never seen it, like mm-hmm. you just sold me on it. You right now, you, you just and, sold me on it. And honestly, that's the name of the game. Sell me. That's yeah. like I said, trailers. You yeah. gotta sell me on it. 
Yep. I'm telling you, with that idea, that's such a uh, just amazing idea. And I haven't played any other game that does what Knights of the Old Republic did so well. Because you're just going into it and you're not thinking about it. You're collecting these, you know, these teammates and you're going through the motions and you're doing these stories and you're doing these missions. And mind you, this is one of Bioware's first games. Yeah. And this is what put them on. Like, this is what really made people go, whoa. Yeah. Bioware freaking smashed. I don't even think not I knew only that. So before, so before Mass Effect, they did this. Then oh, this was their claim this, to fame. This was it. Wow. Was Knights of the Republic. They did two Knights of, Old, uh, Knights of the Old Republic games. And that first game, I just remember playing it, going through the motions, and just, you know, whatever. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Kind of role-playing, kind of action. I don't like two things that are too RPG. I think I, I like things to be a little looser. I like to press the buttons to make yeah. the action happen. Where's only press A to fire, you know, and then yeah. here's an animation of him throwing fireballs. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, I enjoy that. I, 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 I like that aspect of the game. Yeah. And then that turn hit. And I just put my control down and go, I've been playing as a Sith Lord this whole time. <laughs> yeah, that bugged me out. Wow. That messed with me. It fucked with me. Bioware fucked with me, and I loved it. That's See, dude, I'm really glad I had you on. Because, by the way, for those of you listening, you know, something we haven't touched on yet is Rob is a hardcore gamer. Uh. When I say hardcore, like he puts me to shame. Like I play as just like a an occasional hobby to pass the time. For me, it's like a running gag with Rob where like when a game comes out <laughs> that I'm remotely interested in, I'll be like, "Hey Rob, have you heard about uh, you know, a Shadow of War?" He's like, "Yeah, I beat it. I traded it." Yeah, already. I beat it. <laughs> Yeah, I beat it. Traded it. <laughs> it's always like the day after it came out. Like Rob doesn't oh, mess God. around. So yeah, no, I love my games, man. I put in like a part-time job's worth of time playing games. Um, I do like t- easy, like three hours a night, three four hours a night. Um, and I'm not talking about Call of Duty either. Fuck that Call of Duty shit. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't you do don't that. do even, I, don't, I don't, you don't even mess with multiplayer, right? You you go for these barely, like barely. I mean, I play Destiny. You know, I do my Destiny thing, yeah. and you know, and and don't get me wrong, I respect Call of Duty. I, lo- I I love what they did, especially with the Modern Warfare games. I thought they yeah. did it well. But for me, it's all first player action. Uncharted series, uh, the God of War series right now. I just I'm, I, I'm replaying through Shadow of Mordor again because it's such a fantastic fucking game. If you haven't played it, don't be an idiot. Get it. It's such a great game, especially with Shadow of War that just came out. Um, Assassin's Creed. It's nice to see you, Ubisoft finally go back to, you know, go back to the table and give us a proper Assassin's Creed game instead of churning one out every goddamn year. So, yeah, no, man, I, games, we could do that for a long time. We could do that. Man, I have to, I have to <laughs> stop you for a second because yeah. I never returned your Shadow of Mordor. So did you just have you to haven't? rebuy it? I have the discs. They're right well, here. Well, that's well, that's the thing. See, yeah, it goes to show you how good of a track I keep of my games. You had Shadow of Mordor. I bought the Game of the Year edition on the PlayStation Store because they had it for like 10 bucks, And I was like, I'd have to be an idiot to not get it. Plus, this comes with all the DLC. Fuck it. I'm just going to download it. Well, in case so you were I, so, wondering. So keep it. Yeah, keep it. In case you were wondering where your hard copy was. <laughs> no, keep I it. borrowed it's it like two and a half years ago, and it's uh, currently on my shelf. So no, my no, apologies. It's yours, it's, you, it's yours now. <laughs> it's <laughs> but, yours now. I got my own copy digitally. Thanks. <laughs> All right, so all right, Ham. This thing has totally come off the rails. Let's. Uh, so okay, so let's just in closing. Yes, we've got Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. You're at a ten. 
Oh yeah. How um, are you feeling about the future? Not 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 with Ryan Johnson's thing, but with the fact that Mr. Abrams has recently been rehired to bring this trilogy to a conclusion with with episode nine. Are you feeling like all right, I'm excited to have Abrams back in the fold or is a part of you wishing that like maybe, you know, that they had a different director for each film and you wanted to see like a different flavor for episode nine. No, I'm actually very excited that JJ is back in the fold. Main reason being was that he did such a great job already just setting up a trilogy. He was ready to not even come back to. Yeah. That I think he's going to tie it up in a bow really well. I like that. I like your I optimism. Think, well, you, you know, I th- yeah. I think I think he I think he he that's that's the right way to go. Like would I have liked to have seen another director? Eh, maybe. I mean, I don't know. But at the same time we're still gambling. Yeah. At least with JJ, we know what we're going to get. We know we're going to get something that's quality and that he cares about. And, you know, he's somebody that I feel like he takes pride in his work. He's not going to give a shit, especially and not because it's Star Wars, just because I'm JJ Abrams and I like to make good fucking films. Yeah. All right. You know what I'm saying? So there's something about this that I that I also mentioned in a Star Wars rant on YouTube a couple weeks ago that I want to bring to your attention that I think you'll appreciate. Mm. I think the fact that we now know, we you quote unquote know, but we seemingly know that episode nine is the end. Mm. You know, that they're going to go with a new trilogy after that. They're not going to try to extend the Skywalker saga. I think the fact that we know that now is huge. Because mm. it means that Abrams and Chris Terrio, who he's working with you know, on the script with right now, it means that they get to give this film everything because yes. this is a true conclusion. Yes. This is not, okay, we're going to do this, but we're really setting up episodes 10, 11, and 12. Right. Like, you know, this is not going to be a bridge movie. This is going yeah. to be the end. The end. It you is know what I end. mean? Yeah, so no, to absolutely. me, that excites me because, like, if I'm a writer, I mean, I am a writer, but in terms of, like, if I'm a writer on this level of what they're working on, oh, this, yeah. get, this means I don't have to pull any punches. Mm-hmm. This means let's throw it all at the wall. Let's let's go crazy. <clears throat> I get to take the Star Wars that I grew up on as a kid, and I'm going to bring this to its final and decisive conclusion. Yeah. To me, that's 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 a huge distinction because up until they announced the Ryan Johnson trilogy. I think a lot of people still sort of had in the back of their minds, well, okay, it's episode nine, it's the end of a trilogy, but they'll probably still do 10, 11, and 12 at some point. Yeah. The fact that nine is really seemingly the end of things for now, Mm -hmm. this gives him and Terrio, in terms of their writing of the script, a whole sense of like, let's just go for it. Let's just do this. Let's go where we want to go. We don't have to worry about setting anything up. We're no longer setting a table. We're no longer bridging between seven to eight to nine. This is nine. This is the end. Let's give it our all. Yeah. So, and it's nice because there's going to be not just in the fact of that, that they're going to be tying up loose ends in terms of characters, but they're going to be tying up loose ends in terms of ideas and yeah. I think that's that's exciting because, you know, 
we got our we got our uh, you know our, our theories about you know where Ben and Ray are gonna go. Um, but I also want to see that connection because you know the, the everything that whenever he was speaking about Darth Vader, that was always in private. So there was no reason for him to venerate his grandfather so much. We'll actually get to see why he was so, uh, you know, attached to Anakin. And it may not be, I mean, the, the, the helmet is the placeholder because it's something physical. Yeah. Is it the dark side that he was worshiping or was it his ultimate light that took down Palpatine that he's worshiping? Well, dude, I'm going to leave you You with one last thing to tantalize you with our mole slash double agent theory. Mm. When he was confronting Rey at the end of The Force Awakens, his wording is very, very telling. Because when he has her and he could finally, he's, he's got her with a back against the cliff. And if he wanted to kill her, he can kill her. Mm. When he makes her the offer, he doesn't say, join me, come to the dark side. Mm. He says, you need a teacher. He yeah. says, I will come with me. I will teach you the ways of the force. Yeah. The force. Yeah. We tend to attach the force, but on top of that, like typically in these movies, we associate the force with right. the Jedi and yeah. the dark side with the mm-hmm. Sith. The fact that he wants to teach her the ways of the force, I think, is another big indication that he's mm-hmm. not as bad as we've been led to believe. Yeah, I could absolutely see that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. And I'd like to see that. I would hope to see that. For sure. For and if sure. they do do it, I'd like to see how they do it because it may not be exactly however we plan, no. but I'd love to see how they execute it. Just overall, I mean, yeah, ex- again, excitement level at 10. I'm just. And how would you feel? I feel like uh, I was ready to wrap you up, but I, for, I just realized I didn't ask you about this theory going around. Mm. How would you feel if Luke ends up the villain? Because they've so, definitely planted some <laughs> seeds that he might be, you know, not all I've, that we remembered him to be. I've toyed with that idea. Yeah. With that theory myself. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't dig too much into fan theories. I just kind of create my own. So I did I did toy with the idea of Luke possibly being some kind of enter Metallica master of puppets. Hmm. You know, he could be some, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. What if he's he's been choreographing something huge? Mm. What if he's some massive player? What if he is our new Palpatine? You see, you know what I think? I don't know if you know what I think, but I think... Johnson is going to have something to say about getting old and becoming fearful Mm. because something that happens in the trailer that he, he references, you know, I've only seen this power once before. It didn't scare me then it does now. So we're talking about being scared. We're talking about fear. And what does Yoda say about fear? Fear leads to hate, hate leads yep. to anger, yep. anger leads to the dark side. Yep. So we've already, it's already been established that fear 
puts you on the path towards the dark side. And the fact that Luke is now openly talking about how scared he is, and he's in hiding, and he's scared of what Ray can do, seemingly. I think there's a possibility that in his old age, homie Luke is going to end up evil. It doesn't mean he can't be redeemed in the end, but I have a feeling they're going to toy with that idea of Luke actually going dark. Yeah, no, I like that. And, and, and bringing up another good fear uh, quote, which was actually used a lot in the promotion for Phantom Menace, was uh, in the Darth Maul commercial where it actually said fear attracts the fearful, the strong, the weak, the innocent, the corrupt. Fear is my ally. Mm. And that was Darth Maul. That was Darth Maul. See, so, so within this mythology, oh yeah, you know that, that that that's a very you know it's an established precedent that once fear is in the equation, the dark side is right around the corner. Exactly. So I do think yep. you know, and, and and Johnson has mentioned in the past that you know he likes the allegories of Star Wars, mm. and he feels somewhat like the Star Wars films are about growing up and coming of age and finding who you are and mm -hmm. asking those questions of like, you know, where do I come from? Who do I want to be? Who do I listen to? Everyone has advice. I have hormones yep. and desires. How do I go? You know, where do I go from here? But yeah. if we're going to talk about like, you know, allegories and exploring the cycles of life, you know, there are people who, as they get older, they become more fearful, they become more closed-minded, more conservative, and suddenly you don't recognize them anymore. You know, there are people who, you know, I, I, I don't want to dig too personally, but there's people who like, you know, like relatives in your own family, I'm sure people could relate to like at some point your uncle got old and cantankerous and started watching yeah. Fox News all the time, and now <laughs> you have to avoid certain topics at Thanksgiving. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah, the, the, there's right. something about getting old, realizing your own mortality, suddenly becoming fearful of outsiders and young people and new ideas. Yep. And you end up the villain of your own story. There and I, I think Johnson might mm. explore some of that with his writing and some of where he's going with Luke. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I would totally be open for that. Yeah. So far, a lot of this theories I'm not completely against. Well, good. Now we're going to go see the movie. We're going to be 100% wrong on everything. Ben Solo's just. A I feel like dick. that keeps happening. <laughs> it's like, I totally think it's going to be this. It's probably going to be that, or it could be this. Then you watch the movie and be like, well, and then we're going to go see Last Jedi. All I'm wrong. We're going to see Last Jedi. It's going to be a musical. And, oh, and, and uh, Jar Jar is going to come sing a few songs. It's going to be La La Land. It's, in, yeah, in exactly. So who knows? But, Jesus. dude, I can't wait to see the movie oh, with God. you in a couple yes. weeks. I'm thrilled to have had you on the show. Thank you oh, so thank much you. for thank joining you. me here on this 41st edition of El Fanboy. I hope that I can count on having you back on again sometime in the very near future. Absolutely. You can count on me. I dig it. I love it. There's nothing I enjoy more than talking about this stuff. All right. <laughs> so. Good. So you know what? I feel like I have to have you on again in January after mm. the film has come out and it's oh, done its run yeah. and we can sort of do like a post-mortem 
yes. I'll bring you on for that. Maybe, you know, and maybe have you and a couple other guys on and we yeah, can all just cool. sort of talk about how in, we've seen it. How do we feel now? We've had a few weeks to digest it. Mm-hmm. Where are we at now with our Star and, Wars And, and probably a second or third run. Yeah, for sure. I'm probably, <laughs> by, by, by the time I, we, we speak about it in January, I will oh, have at yeah. least seen it at least twice or three times. Oh, absolutely. Because you got you to gotta watch and enjoy, then watch and dissect, and then watch and appreciate. Like, yep. You're always doing something else every time you watch it. Yep. Oh, well, dude, thank you so much for coming on, man. Oh, no uh, All right. Uh, until next time, oh, you know, before you go, why yeah. don't you let people know how they can find you on social media in case they want to interact with you after this and, and, and talk about your theories? Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you like, you can find me on Facebook. I'm pretty easy to find. It's Rob Moreira. Um, you can find me there. I do also exist in the Twitterverse. Um, as well, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe I changed my at. Um, yes, I did. So my at is now Rob Moreira VO. Uh, so if you want to catch me on Twitter, you can catch me there. Well, you um, got to spell it out because you're very exotic. I'll do it for oh, you. Oh, shit. I, right. I'm a gracious host. No, it's R O double B. Yes. So R O B B M O R E I R A. All right. V O. So at Vio, Rob yeah. Moreira VO for voiceover because he's a voiceover mm-hmm. superstar. Indeed. Uh, I have to get you in here to record a few stingers for the show using your sexy voiceover voice. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, that's true because my normal speaking voice is kind of up here. But when I really want to get down, ooh, can you can, can you give me a this disfruta la vida, disfruta la vida. I love it Alright dude Thank you And uh, I'll have you on again soon Sweet So that was awesome man I got to have my bro On the show I hope you guys got something out of that I hope you enjoyed that By all means Let me know If uh, you enjoyed having Mr. Marrera's voice On the show Or you know If that for you Was a little random And you'd rather Stick to my guest's being people from within the biz, you know, let me know that too. You know, you're, I try to be democratic here, but I really just felt like Rob is someone who I could talk to about this stuff forever. As you can tell, that conversation went about an hour and a half. And I think we were only thinking it might be like 15 or 30 minutes. So if uh, you got something out of that, let me know. If you'd rather I stick to people strictly in the biz, by all, let me know that as well. But um, it was great having him on here regardless. Rob, if you're listening back to this right now, fucking love you, man. Thanks for coming on. And I also feel like I should mention this little bit of trivia. He auditioned to be the voice of the Joker in the Telltale's Batman game that I'm sure a bunch of you guys are either playing or have played. You know, he didn't get the part, but my man auditioned for that. He's on the Telltale game sort of Rolodex. He's also been up for stuff in their Game of Thrones games. So I just thought that'd be a little bit of trivia that I thought you you guys might get a kick out of. That, that, That guy you just listened to was almost the Joker. Now, I'm going to wrap things up with this week's recommendation. Since we are now officially in December, it's the holiday season. I'm going to wrap things up with a referral from my one of my favorite holiday movies. To me, it's a modern-day classic, and it's part of the, uh, the ritual here at the Robles household, which if you have never seen it, 
you a loser, you got to see the live action Dr. Seuss, the Grinch movie starring Jim Carrey. That movie to this day, it just, it's great for me because the kids love it, but my wife and I also love it because so much of what Jim Carrey brings to the table, so much of that angry, bitter, self-loathing, crude energy that he brings to the movie it's just, it's, it's brutal for adults. It's, you know, it, the, there's definitely humor in there that spans the generations. So whether you're, uh, whether you're seeing it on your own and you're a Grinch and you hate Christmas here in real life, or you're a family person and you want to get your kids into the holiday spirit, uh, the old Ron Howard, the Grinch movie starring Jim Carrey is a great way to go. That is this week's recommendation. Thank y'all for listening. And until next week, adios. <laughs>